I've had in my head since, I don't know what it was, it was a few weeks ago, when we were talking about Fangamer, and you like leaned into the microphone, Rachel, and went, please! And, like, <laughs> I don't know why, but it like, I think about it all the time. <laughs> it like just proper got me. It was like the, the most raw emotion you've ever shown in like the two years I've known you. It was just, please! <laughs> Nothing gets the pulse pounding like the promise of fan game. <laughs> but oh my god, like wouldn't it be the best? It'd be so It would good. be amazing. It'd be so oh. good. Hello everyone and welcome back to Indie Venture, a podcast all about the wonderful world of indie games. Happy New Year, it's 2024, it's officially our second year of bloody making these podcasts. My name is Liam Richardson, I'm joined as ever by my two wonderful co-hosts, Rebecca Jones. Hello. And Rachel Watts. Hello. Before we dive in, I am going to do a bit of a call to action. Now, as three people who hate to self-promote, this is going to make all of us (laughs) cringe, but I'm going to do it. The podcast was off to an amazing start last year. We are so thankful with how well it's done. But I'm going to ask of you right now if you can do us a favour, because podcasts are a weird, nebulous form of media where they only ever really grow organically. And the best way to make them grow is, apparently through Apple Podcasts, that app that most people don't even use anymore. (laughs) But I do know that about 800 of you are listening on Apple Podcasts. So I'm asking, this is the only time this year I'll ask you to do this. If you can pause the podcast at the end, or when I tell you what to do, don't pause it now, you'll have no idea what I'm asking you. If you pause the podcast and just give us a cheeky review on Apple Podcasts and like write a little bit about what you think about the podcast... If only 10 of you do that, it will rocket us into people's recommendations and that will be an amazing start to the year for us. So if you enjoy this podcast, if you like what we're doing, if you could just do that for me, that would be amazing. But as always, please do remember, five stars, brilliant. Four stars are below. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. Not everything's for everyone. No one's given us less than five stars yet, which makes me think that people are taking that seriously, which is nice. (laughs) What is it? Four stars below. We don't want to know. <laughs> That's it. That's what we say. Just walk away. Do something else with your day. Uh, but yeah, if you could do that, all three of us would really appreciate it. And if you're not on Apple Podcasts, I mean, you can rate us on Spotify. God knows what that does. Pocket Casts is an island upon itself. No idea how that works. But if you're on Apple, we'd really, really appreciate it. Now, I hate saying that. I feel suitably rotten after asking people for <laughs> promoting this thing that we do. <laughs> How are you both? Did you have a nice Christmas? Yes, it was great. It was yeah. so cozy Excellent. and nice. Did you watch Chicken Run 2, Dawn of the Nugget? <laughs> no. 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 Did you not? No. 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 Well, We've talked one about of us this. Has committed to the, the bit. The, the, you'll have to tell us about it because that title, I thought we talked about this. I was like, that title does not entice me. There's no punnage going on, so I'm going to yeah. give it a miss. Dawn I of the Nugget doesn't it. sound like a, a sequel that I would watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm judging it on that alone. But how was it? Was it yeah, interesting? Yeah, it was bad. Was it no, so, right. I heard yeah. bad things. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't, didn't watch like it. <laughs> it's the same I movie s- again. But is not as it? Good. Yeah. What? They just break in somewhere instead of break out. And 
Oh. Mrs. Tweedy's back. What a reveal. I honestly <laughs> lost interest when I heard that they replaced most of the voice cast from the original movie. Um, yeah, all different people. Oh, oh my really? God. Um, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Speaking of replacing most of the voice cast, I'm going to address the elephant in the room and say I have just got over COVID, so I'm not being voiced by a different actor this week. I just sound a bit <laughs> different, potentially. Um, <laughs> yes, playing Rebecca this week, we have Jennifer Hill. Hey. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, that was my Christmas, was I was largely um, completely flattened by covid but weirdly still had quite a nice time how many episodes do you think we have where we mention that one of us one is of us, unwell because uh, i think yeah. it's quite a high yeah percentage. it's every other yeah. episode i feel generically unwell most episodes this is only the second time i think one of us has specifically had covid recording maybe True. third yeah anyway yes <laughs> i feel it's like i've awesome. had a cold for half of our episodes oh yeah uh, it's just one of us has, for sure. <laughs> I'm on antibiotics at the moment, uh, quite strong ones, because of a VR-related head injury I received. Oh, no. What? What? How, how have we not heard this yet? It's quite embarrassing to admit. You remember when I had surgery uh, last year? Yes. Um, yeah. To get, like, a cyst from my head removed? Well, I, I still have cysts on my head because I'm a gross goblin-like creature. Um, and oh. <laughs> the VR headset, I was playing Asgard's Wrath 2. And I think the... Uh, <laughs> The high intensity action was so much that it it, it split a cyst on my head. Oh no, Ooh. that's bad. Oh god. And it got infected. So uh, <gasps> yeah, that's my review of Asgard's Wrath 2. Um <laughs> Yowch. I really feel for you, but that is the way you frame that story is funny. Not the story itself, but the way you've chosen to tell it is very funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, I was in a walk-in centre on New Year's Eve. Not the oh, best way to spend damn, three hours oh, of my no. life. Oh no! Speaking of uh, regrettable <laughs> things that happen to people, uh, that's a terrible segue. Do you want to have a quick chat about awards? Brilliant segue. <laughs> okay, no I, notes. I did not know where you were going with that. I was like, is he going to like out me, me and Rebecca for something? I don't know. Out <laughs> you, but what? Like cancel you, but. <laughs> I was like, where's he going? I'm always, I'm always on edge, Liam. I don't know where you're going. Yeah, I think I've forgotten how to podcast. Uh, I feel, I feel like I've been talking for quite a while already, and uh, my, <laughs> my, uh, uh, nope, adrenaline levels. Fuck me. Right, I'm just gonna keep talking. Right, did we see the bloody Steam Awards? Because we need to talk about these Steam oh, Awards. Yeah, it's- I've seen it. I, I've seen some of them. I've not seen all of them, so I'm interested to see to go through some of the categories for sure. So. There's only one that had an, a traditional indie game in them, and that was the Better With Friends category, which uh, was won by Lethal Company, which I think was a really good oh, that's cool. award. Maybe a touch of recency bias, but it's really nice to see that that game has received as many accolades as it has, considering it hasn't really received a huge amount of press coverage. It's a bit like what we're talking about a few weeks ago with our indie game success mm. feature. Yes. Um, so good on good on Lethal Company. I mainly want to talk. This doesn't really fit within the realm of indie games, but it's so ridiculous. I just want to get your takes on it. That Labor of Love was won by Red Dead 2, a game that hasn't received any substantial updates mm. in years. <laughs> and most innovative gameplay was won by fucking Starfield. Oh, I know. My I know. soul. I know. My soul. Do we think that this was gamers doing a bit and that's why they've both won awards that they were voting for them intentionally ironically to prove a point i've heard that as a theory certainly certainly. i don't or is democracy dead and we should never trust the will of the people (laughs) i mean the thing that the kind of i thought about when i saw the the steam awards um results i guess was i 
I don't know. I never really pay that much attention to the Steam Awards until recently, but I have been for years and years quite interested in the Goodreads Awards, which you guys use. Mm. You use Goodreads, right, Liam? So you kind of... Yeah, I use Goodreads, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the thing that I always think about when I think about like fan-voted awards or like community-voted awards like that is that every year Stephen King's new book wins Best Horror Novel in the Goodreads Awards. And I say this as a massive Stephen King fan. He has not written a horror novel since 2014. So it just kind of demonstrates yeah. that, like, like fair enough, you choose to have the fan community like vote on things, and this is completely like, it's fair if that's what the community wants to do, but yeah, it brings with it a lot of like bias and assumption like that, and there's a lot of like you know, people are not obligated to have played everything that could be nominated in the category. If you've only played Starfield this year and you loved it, then fair enough, Starfield is like you know, the best game you've played this year. And that's completely legitimate. And most people play like five games a year, not like 35 like we might play. Mm. Four was the average according to that Steam Roundup. I was surprised by oh, that. Oh yeah, the average was, wasn't it? average player plays four games a year, yeah. Um, was it? Yeah. yeah, it's like it's four or five for Steam players most years. Like obviously we have a very skewed view on this because we play dozens of games a year mm. professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I always just find it really interesting because I'm like, I love Stephen King, right? To bring it back to my sort of like semi-analogy. I love Stephen King. But he's not even written a horror novel in a decade. And like, I don't think it's necessarily that he writes the best book every year. He's just the most read. Let me tell you, Rebecca, I suffered through fairy tale towards the end of last year, which is why there was no sad books at the end of my hyperfixations for a few episodes. (laughs) What a waste of my fucking life. I'm with you on that one. Fairy tale did not not activate the neurons that I usually get to experience. Total wank. Please continue your point. <laughs> I have a more generous view in that I think it was just kind of like, it was very much a book he wrote for himself and like fair play to him. He's like 80 and he can do that if he wants to, but I'm like, mm, yeah. Um, I mean, we basically, mm. that is that is my point is that I think that like community voted awards are a really cool thing and they do capture a moment in the community, but it is not like, you know, there are no objective metrics here. Obviously everyone is really biased and there's yeah. always going to be limitations on what you can experience. But when you've got a voter base who are largely playing five games out of the, thousands that could be there and potentially as you say doing a bit because there is no you know like if if we did a bit there would be consequences but there are no consequences (laughs) if the community does a bit i guess yeah very 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 good point (laughs) i think it definitely speaks to the power of uh, having a panel of people who can curate the things to be voted for maybe i'm so confused these are supposed to be games that came out this year no steam's weird yeah you can vote for any game in any category yeah, they've they always do done that? it. I don't know. It's very bizarre. That is bizarre. You'd think it was like the 2023 Steam Awards would focus on games from hmm, 2023. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, I'm through some of the categories now. Like, like some of them make sense. Like, yeah, Baldur's Gate, Outstanding Rich Game of the Year Award, blah, blah. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, why would I don't, I just, what is the benefit of Steam have, doing that? Like, I don't understand the point. I, I guess it like lends a level of prestige. It gets the community involved with their voting tools. Maybe it, 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 I, I guess it has the potential to spotlight smaller games, but it never it does. Won't do, Although I didn't know yeah. what the VR game that won. What was the VR game that won? I didn't know what that was. Uh, Labyrinth. Uh. So I hadn't heard of Labyrinth. So to be fair, like you know, that's a pretty cool 
thing. <laughs> VR, I always feel, is like so wild. I'm just like, I've not heard of any of these games. I know, <laughs> right? Unless it's whatever. a VR port of a game that I know from not being VR, I'm going to have no clue. Yeah. VR is <laughs> terrible. I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, I can't really <laughs> Very do... Very dangerous. I can't really do VR. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the category with like some good indie choices would be on here. Soundtrack, Chance Sonar and Pizza Tower on there. And then there mm. was Sit Back and Relax, Coral Island, Potion Craft. That's wild, the Potion Craft. I didn't not think Potion Craft was that popular. And then Shadows of Doubt for Innovative is a really good choice, but that's the detective yeah. one. Not as innovative as Starfield, though, is it, Rachel? <laughs> nope, uh, not as innovative as <laughs> Not that incredible procedurally Starfield. generated detective game. Uh, those planets, dude. Mm. Those <laughs> procedurally generated planets. They just... I love loading screens. It's so... Fun. So on a more lighthearted news, I did look at what other publications voted as their favourite indie games. And what was nice is that our views were quite in line with our peers. Um, so I just want to... Let's judge them. So yeah, let me just <laughs> run off. These are all from... I looked at like 20 of the biggest sites um, and just like noted down which games kept making appearances. So Cocoon was the the one that was mentioned an overwhelming amount of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dredge, Jusant. Mm-hmm. Shadow Gambit and the Cursed Crew, which is a game I really wanted to play last year but didn't. That was the stealth game by Mimi Me. Uh, that came up a lot in people's best oh, ofs okay. lists. Nice. Um, I love Desperados 3, so I need to play that. Uh, Chance of Sonar, El Paso Elsewhere, which I was really happy to see because I didn't really yeah. see many people talk about that, but I'm glad it got some recognition. Uh, Thirsty Suitors, which I know you played, Rachel, and thought this a lot is of. This good. Yep, mm. I need to play that. And Venba, which I did actually play over oh, uh, Christmas lovely. and yes. really, really liked cried like a bloody baby at that game a lovely way to spend two hours so also glad to see that so yeah what do we think about that i mean i mean it really shows the the range of games that were uh available last year and nice to see that everyone was sort of aligned uh sad to not see pizza tower on there to be honest i thought that was going to get more accolades but just a couple of people yeah, there's a couple I'm surprised about. Pizza Tower's definitely up there for one of them i'm literally Mm. trying to think of the other ones we said what else did we say Goodbye Volcano High didn't show up as much as I thought yeah, it was. Yeah, I was thinking I'm not that. surprised um, at that one. Like, I think that one, though, is quite... Because visual novels, isn't it? Like, some people yeah. really, Yeah, I mean, really... it's, it's not actually a visual novel, but I didn't know that until I started playing it, so I get why people are like, mm. yeah. Yeah. Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood didn't show up that oh, much. That's surprising. But this is the thing. I, I honestly don't think that, vi- well, visual novel-like queer games capture yeah. a lot of, like, attention, journalistic attention, just because, like... It's mm-hmm. a very male dominated part of the industry. So I'm honestly not I'm I'm not surprised that Cosmic Wheel didn't make the cut with any of them. And same with Vol- Goodbye Volcano High. I'm yeah, yeah, I'm actually I'm glad that Vember and Thirsty Suitors got like um got recognition though. That's really nice to see people come yeah, through for that. those two games. But yeah, I'm not surprised that a lot of the queer games can I, can <laughs> went I on many people's lists. Briefly, briefly represent my day job and say that VG247 did put Cosmic Will Sisterhood on our best games of the year list. So hell yes, yeah, did, yep. I think you're one of the only publications that I saw that did that. To be fair, to you. Uh, oh, big up I... your dear job. <laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. Just have to throw it in occasionally, just because, like you know, absolutely. <laughs> in case they're listening, they're not listening. In stars, <laughs> they <laughs> should be listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I just download the podcast increasingly more each week to make it look like. Uh, people are listening. I thought it was just my dad, to be honest, uh, but there you go. It's, it's just you and my dad. <laughs> I just thought you haven't bloody 
26 people at yours for Christmas. I do think the Jones clan are the majority of our listener base and I wish them all the best. I was going to say, it's quite possible. It's quite possible. All our Uber fans in one place. (laughs) (laughs) It's really nice that you had an indie venture convention for your your Christmas party, Rebecca. (laughs) It did actually come up several times, which is quite sweet. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Yes. I, I just break down in a cold sweat whenever someone mentions anything I've ever done. Uh, publicly i'm just like oh please don't watch that i appreciate that you do it is it is weird like i was talking to my uncle at this christmas party and he was like it's so weird to be talking to you like in real time because i'm just used to (laughs) you know we haven't managed to see him many times this year and so he was just like oh you know used to used to just hearing your podcast and i was like oh my god yeah that's so weird bless i do want to give a very quick shout out to friend of the podcast scoob who made uh maybe the first piece of official indie venture merch um, yes, so good. Out. it's a he made it's this iconic. beautiful framed picture of a pine cone that says liam like crunch uh it's, it's <laughs> beautiful it really I, is. I was flabbergasted when he gave me that at christmas so yes thank you scoob i know you're listening uh be safe i know you listen while driving cool Keep right so this episode <laughs> I don't think I've actually said what this episode is. Have I forgotten how to podcast? We're 18 minutes in. I haven't said what the episode is. It's all right. It's all right. We can can start from here. This is the real start of the episode. (laughs) Craigie. Okay, this week we are talking about our most anticipated indies for 2024. And we will also be having a quick chat about some lovely games we played over the Christmas break, which I am actually still on for another three days and I never want to go back to work ever again. Very nice. Uh, (laughs) Shall we dive into our first section? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Okay, so Christmas. Did we do much gaming over Christmas and what have we been playing? Rachel, would you like to go first? Uh, Yeah, I'll go first. I played... I had like a list of like kind of leftover games that I wanted to dip into, which I definitely did, but none of them really like, I didn't have one in which stuck with me the whole like holiday. Mm. I did love Pizza Tower, like, but- How did you play it? (laughs) I did, and it was incredible, but I couldn't play more than like an hour because I felt like my fight or flight response (laughs) would like massively kick in. I honestly felt like at the end- of each level, um, you kind of have to rush towards the exit. And it's this game is so chaotic that I was just like, I just felt like I was like attached to a car battery. <laughs> and it was just like, <laughs> I was so, so I was like, hmm, this is not exactly the most relaxing game mm. uh, ever. Um, but I did play one game. Uh, it's a, it's like the part one of um, a visual novel and the rest will come out hopefully this year. So it's Ooh. called South Scrimshaw. And it's a visual novel that's kind of like um, uh, structured as like a documentary. Uh, It's about a young, this is very strange, (laughs) but stick with me. Um, It's about a young whale calf and a newborn whale calf and their mother. Um, And it's kind of like this documentary, nature documentary following them through this alien ocean. And so it's narrated like David Attenborough style. uh, And it's, you know, in the same way you watch these documentaries, and then, like, David Attenborough will be like, oh, yes, but one out of four whale calves will die in the first year. And you're just like, oh, my God. Like, that was a great David Attenborough, much... by the way. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good David Attenborough. It's really good. It. Okay, but I, I honestly love David Attenborough. Like, I, <laughs> like, that's probably why I love this game so much. And, like, 
One of my favorite David Attenborough documentaries were, is um, Blue Planet. I love Blue Planet. It's like, I used to watch it so much when I was a kid. So yeah, this game about these whales. But what's cool about this game? Because that's, that's not very cool. What's cool about this game is that it's like an alien ocean. And the way that these, the mother and this calf have to survive in this like kind of new ecology is so so cool. So like each, this whale in particular, each whale mother will have different ways of survive, surviving, being that wearing like the carcass of like another animal to, to like kind of deter predators. But this mother, they call it, she has like a garden. That's what they call it on her back, which is like filled with different creatures. And she looks like a moving island, like underwater. So it like deters predators. And it's, it really goes into detail about like the symbiotic relationship between like this whale and this like ecosystem on her back and how they like work in accordance with each other. But then uh, on top of that, there's subtitles and sometimes a word will come up in red and you can click on the word and then a different narrator will tell you something, will tell you the definition of that word, which hints at like the human society or like a future society of humans and like how they are living. So you have this story about these whales going on, but also you get glimpses into like the planet, like earth in the future or earth on a different planet and like how that's going how society is and like snippets of like military and oh government and it's just really cool and it's it's very emotional because obviously it's about like cute animals but also yeah it's it's like sci-fi like speculative sci-fi um it's two hours long this is part one it honestly was really good i think i would have put it in like some of my best games of the year if we didn't, wow. if I played this before the podcast, I think because for me personally, love the ocean, uh, love nature documentaries, and it just hit that really good sweet spot of being like really heartfelt, but also something is not something is amiss. Mm. Like this mm. alien world is not like I really like in other waters. In other waters is the same kind of game made by um, the Jump Over the Age, uh, who did Citizen Sleeper, which I loved. And it's kind of the same thing, like games that kind of deal with ecological systems and like they are Mm. so detailed that you believe like this alien ecosystem. So yeah, South South Scrimshaw is was one game out of all the others I dipped into, which kind of really stuck with me. And like, I'm so excited for its release this year. Like sometimes clicking through visual novels, normally I like a bit more going on, but this one was so captivating. And like, it's just full of like drama and like heartbreak. And this whale cub, I just want it. I need them to be okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, I need them to be okay. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) You know, you watch those nature documentaries and you're like, oh my God, they're not going to survive. And the narrator's like, oh, maybe they won't. And you're like, don't do this to me. That is this game. (laughs) It's like, stop teasing me. But yeah, it's really cool. Um, Yeah, South Scrimshaw part one. And it's free. So you can totally just uh, play two hours of a cool cool visual novel. That's very cool. Always on the lookout yes. for free games I can recommend to people. So that's really, yes. really nice. I was very impressed. Um, I didn't think I would be as impressed as I was. So it's very really, the concept is really ringing a bell. I think I've read a book that's similar to that. Like if you like oh, it. Really? And it's, I think, mm. I think it's the Long Earth series by Terry Pratchett and Stephen Baxter. So like, Ooh, I okay. recommend that series if you like, because it sounds like the stories have like similarities in them to the point where mm. it's got that kind of like, ecological story running through it and it's got like the the sort of like floating yes. island consciousness running through it and stuff like that and it's Ooh, got like okay yeah yeah little bonus recommendation there if you like 
one you may like the other because like yeah this has got me thinking about i liked those books i read them when they came out and now i'm like this game sounds like it would would really complement that series it sounds so rich like yes so well realized yeah yeah it's really detailed like i'm like do people who like write about like ecology or like like nature's system in these games like are they like actual scientists or something because i was like (laughs) the amount of thought that goes into and there is a lot of thought that like goes into each creature and like the way these whales behave and like how different environments affect them and their habitats and oh it was so it was so interesting I was like, this is about, if this is like about real whales, and I'd be like a whale expert, but it's not. It's about alien whales. So what well, can you do? Do you think if you <laughs> understand ecology from a scientific perspective, you probably can apply the theories to fictional situations though? Oh, Like if you understand how yeah. animals evolve and adapt, then... Yeah. So it probably is written by people who have degrees or experience in ecology, I imagine. Yeah. I just saw a review there on Steam that said, if you're a science ecology nerd you'll love this that sounds, so yes plenty of people who know what they're talking about are getting a lot out of it because it must be well realized right so mm, that's so nice and there's what a cool lot of shit really recommendation in that field as well <laughs> like yeah a lot, yes. a lot of really yeah. good really good speculative fictional there's like i'm thinking as well of jeff vandermeer whose books i absolutely love and he's like very very yes. well informed on i don't know if he's i can't remember if he's trained in it but he's certainly very well informed and like most of his social media is about his interest in like local ecology and stuff interesting what was his book it's oh. like one of my favorite books of all time is it the southern oh Reach my god trilogy? what is it called is it yes um, there are some of my favorite books as well rachel how are we having oh my god was, southern what reach his, um annihilation yeah but what's the first one annihilation, annihilation. i love oh, that trilogy. annihilation yes. dude I, I annihilation i watched the f- film Years ago, didn't think mm. much of it. Read the book. I honestly think it's one of my favorite books. It's even though I one of my favorite books. One of my favorite so books of all time. Have you read the whole so trilogy? Good. I got. I was. I've started reading the second one, but I'm terrible with books that literally over like 400, <laughs> 500 pages. I'm very bad. I'm so uh, sorry. But yeah, I really want to read it because so I think Authority is the closest I've kind of read to something like Control. Control as a book, as well. isn't it? It is Control right? as a book. It's Control as yes. a book. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, do you know he's doing a fourth one this year? He's doing the fourth book. So the second book in this trilogy <laughs> called Authority is the most. It's the closest book that I've kind of got Control vibes ever. Mm-hmm. So if the first one is like like an expedition, kind of stalker, kind of an expedition into like this weird realm. So that is, um, oh my God. So yeah, that's the first book. Second book is uh, Annihilation. Second book is Authority and that's like Control. And then I don't know, Rebecca, about Acceptance. Acceptance is that is, oh, equally it, as good? I really liked it. I thought it was very good. It kind of ties it all together really well. Um, mm. And then he's got, I can't remember what the new one's called. Hold on, I've got it written down somewhere. He's got, I think it's coming out this year. And also, Annihilation is so short. Follow it is oh, so short. So, Absolution is the new great. one. So I'm yes. really excited Absolution. for that. That the, does ring a bell. That whole trilogy is some of my favourite books of all time. I'm so excited that we're both into this. This is really good. <laughs> I'm yes! going to have to read. I love the film. I'm going to have to read these uh, books. I liked the, the second film. you said it's the, the closest book is to better. control. The book, yeah, the book is, is so better. Good, I liked though. the film. The really? Yeah. Girl, the book, the book. Oh, you know, know what? It's not that sure. great. Don't go with any expectations. It's mm. fine. But yeah, it yep. is okay. one of the All fictional right, okay. settings I am like deeply obsessed with is the world yes. of like the Southern Reach trilogy. So I love it. Yes. Yes. Shit. All right. <laughs> oh, look, he's sneaking in a cheeky book recommendation 30 minutes into the podcast. So many books. Oh Incredible my God. Oh, yeah, sorry. This has really become like, I feel like we've mentioned more books than games this episode so far, which is not inherently a bad thing. 
but we're going a little bit. They're off. good books, though. They are <laughs> good books. They're, they're good books, Bron. They're very, very good books. <laughs> Do you, uh, I am so bad at wrangling this podcast when I'm in control. Rebecca, what Hello. have you been playing over Christmas? <laughs> oh. Well, as as previously mentioned, uh, on like the second day of my Christmas break, I got pretty horrendously ill. Um, so I played a lot of comfort games over Christmas. I played the exact same Animal Crossing Christmas event that I've played for the previous three years. Um, <laughs> all through again. Um, I played another 10 hours of Power Wash Simulator somehow. Uh, Power Wash nice. Santa's Workshop. Um, I played an arcade full of cats, which is the new Dev Cats game that I think I mentioned briefly in our Christmas episode as something that I just downloaded. Yes. But the kind of the most the most surprising thing that I played over Christmas and the one that I wanted to talk about a little bit. And we are, I think, venturing into the world of double A a bit here. But we have we have decreed that I'll that's allow allowed. <laughs> is the new version of Murder on the Orient Express, which came out uh sort of tail end of last year. Oh yeah. So there were Oh yes. Yeah. So <laughs> it's come up before that I'm a big Agatha Christie fan. Um and part of that is that my dad has always been really into those books. And so because I was home, we decided to play one of there were two two new officially licensed Agatha Christie games out last year, which were um, a prequel called Hercule Poirot: The London Case, and a remake of Murder on the Orient Express. Um, we decided to play Murder on the Orient Express, just kind of like not expecting too much from it, but we both got really into it. Actually, it's a it's a modern retelling, which is a bit weird. It's set in twenty twenty three. Oh, if there's one criticism I would make of the game, actually, it's probably that they don't make much use of the modern setting it's like a little odd how they've chosen to do it it's not bad but it's sort of like everyone's got a smartphone instead of a watch but then they're trapped in the middle of nowhere and the smartphones don't work and then it kind of stops being relevant that it's 2023 so i'm not i'm not quite sure what they're going for with that but it is just a genuinely like we've played a lot of these games over over the years and somehow this one seems to have finally struck the balance to make it feel like the right degree of investigation, the right degree of puzzle solving. Mm. It never gets like frustrating. It's still got those like lovely, weird double A janky moments where you can't help but just laugh because it just, it'll be like, <laughs> there, there are these things where you have to like put together character profiles and you'll have to like guess the character's age from three options. And you'll be looking at three options. You'll be like, they, they did all of these character models and did not show them to the person who got to pick the age of the character. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is all wrong. But it's, it's, quite, it's quite funny in that way. And it's just, it's got, as someone who plays a lot of murder mystery games, it's got a nice amount of variety. The, the story moves at a good pace. One thing that they have done actually by making it a 2023 story rather than a 1930 story is they've introduced a female deuteragonist who is like an american police officer who's investigating the case at the same time and so she gets chapters so even if you're like super familiar with the book and the films and the previous versions of the video game there's still exciting stuff to find that fits in with the story really naturally and yeah we just we had a we had a really nice time both absolutely full up with covid (laughs) but just generally really enjoying us and yeah we have played as i say we played um i think microids who now do the games for the agatha christie estate we played two of their three previous games um, and we liked them, but we didn't love them. But it feels like they finally kind of really hit their stride with this one in terms of how to really translate one of these novels to a video game, which is always a really fraught idea. Like novel to film is hard enough. Novel to video game is it's mm. quite wild when you think about it. Unless you're The Witcher, which even then arguably took them a few <laughs> goes to really get popular with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's a really good time. Um, and I would say if you are someone who has like, kind of looked at those games and been like, eh, before, 
like this might be the one to to give a go just because it it's it's weird yes. and cheesy in the way that double eight always is going to be um oh they all look like dishonored characters which i find really like endearing <laughs> i don't it know why it works yeah. as a visual style it really works. as a visual style it's lovely but because i play a lot of arcane games i'm like why does everyone look like dishonored but i don't hate I don't, i'm not mad about it i like dishonored yeah it's just a really fun time and it was a nice you know family christmas mystery game to mm. get um about 30% of the way through because we both play games really slowly and then say, I guess we're playing this every time we see each other all year. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I remember playing the demo for this one. Is this the one where there's like a banana flavored vape pen yes. at one point? And so what, that's the only <laughs> other thing is rather Excuse than cigarettes, me? they have like vape flavors and you have to they work out like what? Vape no. Everyone's into rather than what's brand cigarettes. <laughs> You're not telling me that Hercule Poirot is hitting the jewel on the Murder on the Orient Express, are you? Uh, okay, but what would, what would Poirot's flavour be, though? <laughs> oh, like um, Earl Grey or something Rebecca really classy. <laughs> Earl Grey Elf Bar. Yeah. Oh, oh my know. God. I don't, I don't know these things. I've never even smoked, so I have no idea. But I'm like imagining that Earl Grey flavour might work. <laughs> That's so I think funny. it would. This is the one where he looks really hot in the thumbnail, and then he doesn't look hot in the game. And I was, yeah. I was really thrown off. Yeah, yeah. I was like, weird. ooh, Proro. Played the demo, and I was like, oh. I mean, it's not. It, it wasn't like it. You know, it's, it's not, not a reason not to play it's the not game. Bad. It's just like, why? Why? I was like, okay. Why have they given him the sort of classic, not very representative dating profile picture on the thumbnail of this video game? <laughs> I get it. Yeah. It's like, babe, use an up-to-date Tinder profile. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Use a photo from this year and hold up a newspaper. But like, it, oh, it's just, there, there are just hilarious moments in it as well. And like, another thing yeah. that I really love is that they, they sort of have to introduce a little element of, of, of some sort of collectible, right? Because it's a video game. So it has to have collectibles. Yeah. So there are these like mm. golden mustaches that you're just finding like solid gold mustaches all through all the levels. And, oh, like, no, come on. There's one really harrowing bit though. Cause obviously if you're familiar with the story of murder on the Orient Express, there is like a part in the backstory where like a child has died. And because of the way they've expanded the story, you actually play as the cop who's delivering that news to the parents. And just the, like the cognitive <gasps> dissonance between like, I've got to look for this collectible golden mustache statue and like, I've got to go give a death notice to the parents of this dead child is like. They're not in the same port. You can't find a collectible mustache <laughs> I was like, as no, you're about please to deliver the news of a child. Oh my fucking <laughs> they God. They aren't, they aren't. It's actually, That's it's so done better. Funny. Just, there was a moment where I was okay. like, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if I want to look for collectibles anymore because I like, my next objective is to deliver the death notice of a four-year-old girl to her family. And I'm, it's, it's very tonally different from what we've been doing for the last few minutes. I mean, Microids, please. <laughs> please, Microids. <laughs> yeah. But like, I kind of love that ridiculous black comedy. So I was, even as I was like, this is so bad. I was like, this is, this is a podcast yeah. story in a couple of days. It's that so fun. Funny. I feel like it was, it's a fun game. It's fun a very game. fun game. They, they're definitely like, I found that, um, the, the prequel game that they did recently was like a little bit too just like, I enjoyed it, but it was like, you kind of walk through the story and click through and it's kind of visual novelty with a little bit of like 3D overlay. The ABC murders what they did before was a little bit too obtuse. I think they've, like I say, they've hit their stride with this one a bit more. And uh, nice. yeah, I'm excited to keep playing <laughs> and find those golden mustaches cool. and hopefully not find any more dead kids. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's really, it can't be overstated how much that that is always off screen in every adaptation of this story, except this video game version. <laughs> oh my God. It's just in the corner of the room, a giant golden mustache hovering. Right. It's totally very, very weird, you know, to, to have that be put on screen. Oh. I think maybe for the first time in the like nearly hundred years since that book was published, we've had that scene on screen. It's very strange. Oh, well, yep. I wish you all the best, Microids, uh, on your continuing endeavours. Yeah, I'm having a great time. Go on then, babes, Liam. I have played so much over my Christmas break. Uh, I've, oh, shit. I purposefully said to myself I wasn't going to do any work. The only time I've broken that rule is tonight, recording this podcast, which for me is actually quite... I, I normally work all the time on time off. So I have played 30 hours of Stardew Valley, <gasps> which I'm not going to talk about here. I'm going to talk about in a future episode i think uh, is that I with the been, mod uh, it's not i couldn't get <laughs> goth Haley working on my steam deck oh. <laughs> unfortunately mm. but we will litigate my stardew choices i'm sure another time <laughs> oh, yes. uh but that game is good right uh, that's stardew valley it's pretty good, good but the game that absolutely like just took over my life for about a week before my holiday and a little bit into it as well was of all things house flipper 2 which yes. i enjoyed mm. so much I think it would have been on my list of favourite games from last year. Oh, another one. absolutely yes. floored me. So if you don't know House Flipper, this is by Frozen District. It is a, I guess, like a simulation game where you play as a, a general fixer-upper who goes into these houses that are in states of disrepair that I think most buildings will never be in. Uh, every house <laughs> looks like they've been ransacked by an army and you go in and you you tidy up, you clean up the rubbish, you hoover up, and then you uh, knock down walls, rebuild them in different places, you paint, and then you decorate, and you turn these absolute derelict shitholes into incredible, like, modern living masterpieces. I played, like, maybe 10 hours of the first game and really liked it. Mm. But there's something about this second game that just, like, absolutely captured my heart. I, I think it probably came at the right time. I was so burned out from last year, like, a lot you know, changing jobs and just sort of like a bit of a, a busy year for me. As I was winding down, like just playing this game for a couple of hours on an evening while watching YouTube videos just felt like all I needed. Yes. It was just the rhythm I needed. And all I could think of when I was playing it, Rebecca, was when you once described like Power Wash Simulator and, and games like this as adult coloring books. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my I mean, that's God, that's why yes. I played 10 hours of Power Wash this, this Christmas. Right? <laughs> and House Flipper 2 is the same. I actually think I probably liked it maybe a touch more than Power Wash just because... <gasps> It has a little bit more going for it in terms mm. of variety of <laughs> things see, you're I doing. I see that, to be fair, yeah. It's it's split into two different modes. You've got a mode where you're just given a list of tasks to do in an existing house, and then it has a mm. mode where you buy a derelict house and do it up in the way mm. you want to do it. Um, so if you've played the first one, you're probably like, this is very similar. And a lot of the Steam reviews were negative from people who've played hundreds of hours of the original, saying, oh, well, there's missing things, and I'm worried they're going to put this in as DLC, like how, you know, Sims... Mm. Uh, handles its content and i get that and maybe there is a little bit of that but the foundation they've built here is so nice it's got a painterly art style now so it just looks visually Ooh. more enticing and it has just a little bit of soul and heart which has just really <laughs> made it feel so much nicer to play you get phone calls from the people who own the houses that you're doing up now and they all have european accents <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so delightful hearing them like i don't know I, they're from scandinavia i think um and hearing everyone just speak english with this scandinavian twang is just like really delightful and it takes place in a coastal area so there's like a little forest oh. area there's a little city area and a, 
in a place on the beach and the whole story of the game is you've come back home and as you establish yourself as the best house flipper in the town mm. you eventually get to do up the community center the story took me about 15 hours to finish and i just had like a really nice time doing oh. it your home base is your parents house so there's like post-it notes from your oh mom instead, of yeah, instead of a shack yeah instead of a shack creepy shack so, like the original <laughs> game really did have like a bit of a Serial like a cold vibe. energy to it yeah, yeah. it did right <laughs> And this mm. game just doesn't have that. It mm. has like a, a, a warmth, it has heart. Aww. And I just had a really lovely time with it. Like really just, yeah, honestly, one of the best things I played last year. And I would nice. absolutely recommend it if you missed the first one, but like the idea of it. Um, and if you're the kind of person who's going to go into Steam reviews and say there's no curtains, therefore negative review, probably not for you because <laughs> there's a lot of them mm. down there. But yeah, I, I really, really loved it and i didn't expect to it just completely caught me off guard interesting That's see nice. i really like the first one and actually house flipper is one of the ones i dipped into over christmas just to see if i wanted to buy the second one because i was like mm. well why would i get the second one if the first one is pretty much what i like but actually the way you're describing it, it does kind of make me want to get the second one now i, I, I mean, like it, I like it sounds same. a bit more cutesy and a bit more like cozy because yes. yeah the first one mm. not so much no it feels like you're breaking into these like crack dens doesn't it it doesn't it doesn't feel mm. like what you're doing is legal weirdly <laughs> even though you're just painting walls like yes mm. yeah really really oh. really good and a very very quick honorable mention to a game i played an hour of but i can't wait to dive into more and probably talk about in a future episode corn kids 64 have you heard about this uh, no what's this <laughs> it's an n64 style 3d platformer where you play as a goat with like powers i guess and it's oh all God, edgy, it. cartoon networky. It has scan lines and is locked to 30 FPS. It it's all done like quote unquote authentically. Um, and it feels like the kind of game your grandma would buy you on N64 when you asked <laughs> for Mario 64. But <laughs> the movement's one, yeah. really good. Yeah. But it's really good. And I've only played an hour, but I'm excited to play more. I got it for like three quid over Christmas on the Steam sale. And it's just one of these things where it has overwhelmingly positive reviews, and I've heard no one talk about it. So I'm excited to to keep mm. on with that. But yeah, no, Corn Kid 64. Uh the description says something like this is an official game version of the Stephen King novel. Only joking, <laughs> this is a game about goat babies or something. Like it just has like a really nice sense of humor to it. Oh, I you see. Beat up I see socks with at. shoes and yeah. yeah. It's good. Good fun. So yeah, that was my uh the two games I played a lot over Christmas uh, with Stardew Valley, just the shadow of Stardew Valley behind me, <laughs> like the Badabook. There's Pierre behind you. But without Goth Haley, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Goth Haley. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Honestly, I saw you, I, sp I spied you playing it over the holidays a little bit and I was like, that mod must be really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's really into Goth Haley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not um what i found quite quickly I, I i won't lie this was something we spoke about privately is i found a goth Haley mod on tiktok and i was like gang i think i'm gonna replay stardew valley uh but when i started playing it i just got so into the crops to the point where this book that i'm reading my notes out of is mainly just like crop patterns <gasps> and things i need to do next time i play yeah are you about to Girl. pull out the same thing Girl. Are you, it's, you, oh. it's, it's real it's real stardew Could valley requires a spreadsheet yeah for sure it really does. Oh, this is for Ooblets. But like this kind of... Yes. Oh, look at that. Yes. Ooblets I have another, I have, 
I have stuff. I always do it for farming sims. I think it's, I need to, otherwise things get disorganized. I'm yeah, so with totally. you. Wait, here yeah, it is. The same. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> there it is. Wow. wow. Numbered as well. I love that. Where's your sprinkler layouts though, Rachel? That's what I want to know. <laughs> oh, well, you see, um, I got the one that does, I unlocked the, the one at the end, which means you don't really need to organize as much. It does like eight, is it 16? It does like eight by, oh, yeah, I does, don't remember. It? Yeah. It's been a while for me, Liam. I'm sorry, I've not played Stardew for for a hot minute. Well, that new update comes out soon. The one he's oh, been working shit. on for two years. Yes. Yeah, he teased that the other day. So, yeah, Stardew I don't Valley. Know if, I don't know if I can. I don't know. Do it. It's I'm so scared. good. <laughs> so Goth Haley awaits us all. Oh. <laughs> so, with the past behind us, shall we move on to some things we're excited for in the coming year? Yes, please. Yeah. It is 2024, which concerns me. Uh, it has been 10 years <laughs> since the Kim Kardashian app was first released. Found that out today. It's being shut down. I'll have you know. Oh, what a terrible shame. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't want to know. When, don't I was, tell me. when I was scrounging for freelance money, I thought it would be a really good idea to play it and pitch an idea. Did not get picked up. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. I don't a 10-year retrospective what... of that well, game would have been really interesting. Yeah, well, the Love Island game had came out. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'll do something about reality TV mobile games. And like, because right, I like reality TV and stuff. That's big money. It, they, they're all terrible. And I hated every second. So oh, I think I did pitch somewhere though, but it's mobile. So I don't even remember the place where yeah. I pitched it. And this thing. Yeah. But I have played it. I have played the Kim Kardashian mobile game. Me wow. too. Uh, we won't litigate that any further. Um, so <laughs> yeah, lots of indies coming out this year. Very, very excited. <laughs> I did a call out on our Twitter account at IndieVenturePod if you want to follow us. And I said, hey, if you got a game coming out this year, let us know. We might talk about it. And so many people got in touch with so many cool things. I'm going to link that thread into the episode description. So if mm. you want to have a look and see who who got in touch, the games they were showing off, they all provided trailers and Steam links. So definitely check that out. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. So let's have a chat about some games we're very excited to play. Uh, Rebecca, would you like to go first? Yes, I am going to start with um, a very quick rundown of some honourable mentions that I have. That Just because I'm really excited for these games, but I don't really know much about them other than a very, very tiny amount that I've seen. Um, so one that I wanted to mention is Creepshow. It's really funny, actually, that you mentioned that corn child business being like, we're a Stephen <laughs> King game. Lol joke. Because, Corn child business. Yep, that was the name. Yeah, yeah. Creep Show by Dread XP um, is is going to be the first official Stephen King game since the year two thousand. So obviously, Ooh. as an aforementioned big Stephen King fan, I'm just really excited by the concept. It was announced by Dread XP in late 2022. Um, to the best of my knowledge, they have not really said anything about it since. So I don't even know if it'll come out in 2024. But I hope to at least hear more about it in 2024. Creepshow, honestly, not my favourite of his projects, but just because it's been 24 actual years since the last game that came yeah. out that had anything to do with his work, I'm obviously just excited. And also it's Dread XP. They make they curate really good games. They make really good games. So the fact that they've got this yeah. licence to make a game based on a Stephen King movie is like really exciting to me, but I don't know anything else about it. But that's just a very promising concept. Mm. Another game that I know very little about that I'm very excited for is Lost Records Bloom and Rage, which was announced at uh, yes. the Game Awards. <laughs> and I know nothing other than the 30 second trailer that we've seen. Um, apparently it's coming out late this year, hopefully. It is, it is basically Stranger Things, um, but with queer Riot Girls. And I just... Hell yeah. Um, by, the, by the creators of Life is Strange, who are self-publishing it, 
ego, ego, double A, ego. It's allowed on the podcast. But I just, I'm excited for this one as well, just because I have it on record that a couple of years ago, again, when I wrote an article about Stephen King games, see, it all links in. Um, I said in the comments, and it's still in the RPS comments section, me saying this, I think, that my dream game would be Don't Nod making um, a version of it. And yes. that's essentially what this is. It takes it's it's these people who is these these girls who were teenage friends meeting up again thirty years later to kind of go over this mystery of this this thing they found in the woods in their hometown in the nineties. Mm. It's as close as you're going to get to my exact dream game concept without having any licenses involved. I'm so excited, and yeah, that's that's just kind of that. So those are really exciting. Um, but mm. There is very little yeah. information. There is a, a vague release window for one, and literally the other one, as far as I'm aware, has not been mentioned or acknowledged in any way since it was announced about three years ago. But I'm very excited for them. Um, and the other game that I want to mention in a bit more detail just now is Tiny Bookshop, which I think, Rachel, you and I, you were with yes. me when I played the demo for that at EGX mm-hmm. 2022. Yes. It is a very, very wholesome and cute uh, business management sim where you're basically, you play as a character who's moved to a sleepy seaside town with their caravan, which they have converted mm. into a secondhand bookshop. Um, visually, it's really, really attractive. Like, it's got this very particular, it's sort of like Untitled Goose Game visual style, but a bit more like pastel and a bit softer. Ooh. And it's just, I mean, it's kind of just everyone's dream concept <laughs> in a way, right? Is to, is yes. to like go... <laughs> Go to like a, a nice seaside town where there's like a real sense of community and just sell all these secondhand books to like old ladies and students. I, yeah, there's the management aspect of it in the demo that I played um, in 2022 was really satisfying. You're like stacking the shelves with different genres. So you don't go book by book, but you pick from like six or seven different genres. Um, I think hmm. the devs were on about adding more um, based on like fan votes before launch. Oh, it's, okay. It's cute. It's wholesome it's about books which we've already established that we love on this podcast yes (laughs) it was it was supposedly down for a spring 2024 release they have now removed that from the steam page and they just say coming soon so i guess that they're like trying not to Mm. not to be too specific with the the release they're promising which like totally get i think it's a one or two person dev group so like as always fair enough like take care of yourselves and take the time that you need to take but it has been demoed at a lot of indie game fests over the last few months so I'm hopeful that we'll at least see like a little bit more about it this year and mm-hmm. yeah this is um occasionally a game will come along that you just absolutely and unequivocally want to live in and this is definitely one of those <laughs> for me <laughs> um and yeah I need a I need a good bookshop management sim in my life so tiny bookshop. It's adorable. It's so cute. I can't wait for this. I genuinely one of my most anticipated games of this year. <laughs> it's it's going to be. It was the first 2024 release date I ever wrote down in my games release calendar. So I was so I stoked for that, it yeah. instantly when I heard about it. So yeah. I remember you saying there was a feature where like locals will come to your bookshop with posters and things yes. and be like, hey, can you put this up for me? And Oh, there's a really oh, wholesome yes. bit in the trailer where like a, a metal band come in and like, can we, can we put our poster? And like, then you go to their concert in the park and it's this sort of like metal band and then they're like, and shout out to the tiny bookshop who supported us. And I'm like, that is the most wholesome thing. And yes, absolutely. I love that. I, I love, love it that. so much. You can paint, you can paint your caravan, you can decorate it with little, oh. little hanging plants and little tchotchkes and stuff. Oh, 
so cute. So whimsical. So wholesome. And yeah, need need a little bit of wholesome, a little wholesome management sim. Should be good. I, I can't wait for that. So cute. Do you know when some people get called and they just sound like more badass? <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say that like <laughs> you were the cold? I'm like, I don't know. It just feels like it's given an edge to all your recommendations in Ooh, a way that I'm just finding really compelling really? to listen to. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. I think you sound so cute and adorable Aww. and it just really suits. You know what? I would take both. I'll be badass and cute and adorable. I'm enjoying... Thank you for the compliments because in my it's head... It's like a little squeak. In my head, I sound dreadful. So I'm glad that, <laughs> I'm glad that it's You definitely don't across. sound dreadful. No, no, no. I'm glad that it's, it's like good. when I get a cult, I'll try and like... I'll sing national songs and be like, oh, I should take this on the road. I, I sound know. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of like I, I'm enjoying it. But, you know, my partner's like, I think it's yeah. permanent. I don't know why. Mick's really determined that this is permanent. He clearly likes it because he's like, I think I think your voice has been changed permanently by COVID. I'm like, that's all right. That's fine. What What's she called from um, uh, Russian Doll? And she was in Orange Nat- is the oh, um, Leon. No. Natasha Leon. Yes. Um, yeah, that's so fun, Natasha. It's got a bit of that to it, and I just find that just like oh, a, I love her. Voice so, just yeah. like really compelling, and all right. yeah, I'll, absolutely, yeah. I mean, if that's my long COVID sounding like Natasha Leon, I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they'd make a Columbo reboot with her as Columbo. I think that would be really that is fun. such an amazing idea. I love that. Yeah. What the fuck? That is a good idea. Did you just come up with that just then? <laughs> um, and if not, no, how I, did I, you come up with it? <laughs> first time I saw Russian Doll, I just always thought that she'd make a great Columbo. And I just mm. don't know why no one's ever given her that role. I need to see Russian Doll. Yeah, I haven't I actually seen, seen it. See I, it. I, I know oh, her from... Uh, season one is perfection. Season one is perfection. So season yes. two is fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, honestly. Time loop. We all love time loops on this time, podcast. We love a time loop. Oh, we do it's love a time loop. one of the best time, <laughs> time loop stories. Yep, it's so good. Uh, Rachel, what's your first most anticipated game? Tell me now. Hello. My most anticipated game, or well, one of them, is The Mermaid's Tongue by SFB Games, who did Tangle Tower, and they're doing Ooh. Crow County as well. But when they announced Crow County, I got really upset because I was like, oh, they're not making a Tangle Town sequel. But then it turns <laughs> out they are, so it's all fine. Surprise. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, if you're not aware of Tangle Tower, it's basically a um, a murder mystery game uh, following the adventures of Grimoire and Sally. This is the second. It's not connected to the first. So you can, you can you know, go into this one, not playing the first one, but please play the first one. It's a very good mystery detective game. Cozy vibes, a uh, bit of fun, good uh, detective solving, good puzzles, uh, character artwork, animation, sublime, like some of the best animation ever. The voice acting is amazing. So yeah, I'm hoping that Mermaid's Tongue will be a great follow-up. I played the demo. Good groundwork, guys. <laughs> Grandma and Sally have been called to a murder of a captain on a submarine. So we Ooh. love a bit of marine Ooh. mystery do, on the podcast as well. So the captain's been murdered. It's a locked room mystery as well. So when the captain died, he was in a cabin, which was locked from the inside. And the only uh, kind of other relevant thing in the room was a cauldron that is just open, like next to the body. So it's very kind of like, it's already kind of like giving, yeah, locked room, mystery, um, super like supernatural submarine vibes. Yeah, I just, I really, really like Tangle Tower a lot. Um, and so I'm very excited for this game. Yes, I I think like Cozy Detective is like really mm. like, a, a, like a good genre. Mm. But one thing about Tangle Tower as well is that there are like creepy moments in it. There's not many, but there are some. 
which really kind of like surprised me when I first played it. And this one is kind of like setting up the same kind of vibe. Like it's like cozy, creepy detective vibes. So yeah, if you're into that, yeah, The Mermaid's Tongue looks to be exactly that. There actually was a previous Grimoire game as well, but I didn't, I didn't quite connect with that one. So actually, this is the third one in the series. Oh, is but, it really? Okay. Yeah, the first one came out years ago, and it was okay. It was quite that. enjoyable. The detective system is that you kind of pull in different um, phrases and objects into a sent- sentence structure, and then Grimoire will kind of be like, "This sounds right." This doesn't sound right. So it's kind of simple, but you still feel like you're working it out. It's oh, you're not. It's not like Oberdin, but it's also not like games where it just gives you the answer. Like I don't know. I'm scared to say any of them because Rebecca might be like, "Excuse, <laughs> like <Nothing> <laughs> <thanks>. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> no, I know." Um, detective games just do it differently, right? So it's whatever you're going for. But this, the system in this, is just a nice middle ground between you feel like you're solving, but it's not too difficult. And yeah, mm. they're just really bite good, bite-sized detective games. Um, Tangle Tower was like barely four hours, um, probably even oh, less, wow. three hours long. Wow. It's just a del- it's just a delicious mm. little treat. Mm-hmm. And yes, I'm hoping m- um, the mermaid's tongue. I mean, I wouldn't want to eat a mermaid's tongue, but delicious little treat. <laughs> and the demo's on Steam, so go check it out if that's your thing. Uh, so yes, uh, that's probably my number one because I love Tangle Tower. I love it so much. Aww. And I really was distraught. <laughs> like everyone, cause they was, it is Crow. Is it Crow? Oh, Crow, Crow. Country. Crow Country. And when they yeah, announced yeah. that, I was a bit like, oh yay. But also it was like survival horror Resident Evil style, which mm-hmm. is more Liam stuff. I was like, <laughs> oh, not my favorite genres at all. Okay, it's fine. I'll support them, but I'm very happy that there's also doing this as well. So yes, that is my number one. Uh, I'm so excited. Ugh. Two projects in a year is great for them. Like right? honestly, I wish them so all the best. Good. Like, oh, good on them. I was yeah. so surprised. They do seem like they focus on one game at a time. So I was really surprised when they were like, "Haha, we're doing two. I was like, yeah. "Oh, this is great. I love it." Mm. I need to play Tangle Tower. Have you played it, Rebecca? It feels like. I, I haven't. Again. I own it. And if I'd known it was only four hours, they probably would have made, <laughs> made it's time It's so for it short. Now. Let me even see if it's four hours. Hold on. Uh, how long? Uh, I, I love how long to beat.com. Can we just quickly say? Too. Probably oh, my I favorite gaming resource. Like, oh my, so good. So okay, good. This, says it's, this says it's five and a half hours, mm-hmm. but you know, puzzles aside, you could probably do it in four. Yeah. Perfectly. Do you reasonable. have it on Switch? I have it on PC. If I'm sure I have it either on Steam or oh, okay. one of the other. I could probably, if, I got it, it, if I got it on Steam, I can play it on my Steam Deck. So. Yeah. Yep. Steam Deck and Switch is like the perfect like duvet Ooh, nice. game. Mm. Duvet cup of tea kind of game. Oh, nice, yeah. nice, nice. Very much that. An amazing first pick. Uh, oh. Yep. I can't wait. When I saw that announced, I was like, oh, I really need to play Tangle Tower. So I need to get on that ASAP. Oh. How about you then, babes? Liam? What's your first pick? My first pick is a game I once spoke about on a, uh, a now abandoned redacted podcast. Uh, my first <laughs> so game is—I <laughs> don't know why we've committed to that. What? We can yeah. say the name; we no can. one will tell us off. But done it. way funnier to say redacted. It's even funnier um, that like we change our minds every episode until how we're going to do it. We just... Yeah, so 
when to deploy a tactical actual uh, name for comedic yeah, effects. All right, let's get serious from uh, <laughs> So this is Pacific Drive by Ironwood Studios. Yes. This is out on the 22nd of February, which I am Ooh. so, so, so excited for. Let me just pick up my physical book. Regretting writing my notes down, I have to recite this like slam poetry. So we played this, oh, I played this actually at PAX East last year. Yeah, PAX East last year, because you went home a little bit earlier than me. And I hung around and played yes. this. And then Ironwood Studios <laughs> yes. made a meme of me talking about it, I they think. They did. Uh, they did, yeah. Maybe the first meme we ever had And on my absolute seething jealousy. <laughs> yeah, uh, you were just shouting at me for about four minutes as I talked about this game. Um, this is a survival game that takes place in the Pacific Northwest in a, a, a fictional area called the Olympic Exclusion Zone. You play as someone in a beaten up um, station wagon full of cool retro 80s tech it looks like something from ghostbusters a bunch of very clacky keyboards and fizzing monitors and the aim of the game is to survive in this uh really just like fucked up area um, of forest <laughs> and mountains where a bunch of supernatural anomalies keep occurring and there's this horrific storm that if you get caught in it will uh, just destroy you. I think it just atomizes you. So you've got this garage as a home base. You drive out into the exclusion zone. You collect certain objects. You scavenge for things that will improve your home base or your car. And you try and avoid all of these weird, horrible things that are happening. Um, in the demo, there were things that would attach to your car or pick it up and try and flip it over Ooh. or rocks that would shoot out of the ground to slam into them as you're trying to escape out of these horrible uh storm zones and i've always loved the idea of games like i think it's called my summer car or jalopy oh, like these yeah, games yeah. that are all about yeah yeah these games where your vehicle is kind of like your whole world you're maintaining it and trying to find new pieces and you know the, the car is the character i guess is, is maybe the best way of describing this game but wrapping it in this sort of like I guess, control-esque, supernatural mm. uh, world where these, you know, kind of like horrors beyond human comprehension are happening. And and you're sort of like, I don't, th I assume the aim of the game is to kind of find out what's happening, but the the, the Steam page and the description doesn't really frame the game like that. It's, it's more so just like these things are happening and you've just got to try and fucking survive. <laughs> um, and the tools in your car are more so for like finding elements and items that you need. Um, just impeccable vibes, a really, really fully realized world. Brilliant. It just feels brilliant in the hands, driving along, sort of like peering through your windscreen as the rain lashes down and you've got your windscreen wipers on and you're just seeing like these flickers of electricity in the, <sighs> in the distance as the, you know, you've got these beautiful Pacific Northwestern forests around you. Just like, you know, even the fact that I play this game in a busy convention hall after three days of doing really hard work you know, barely on any sleep and I still got sucked in, I think really speaks to just how fully uh, implemented and, and realised, gotta stop saying the word realised, but I can't. It's just how good this game is. It really speaks to how realised it is. Yeah, and it's out next yes. month. So Amazing. like, that's... Is it? Oh yeah, it is. 22nd of Feb. Yep. Amazing. Um, cannot bloody wait for Pacific yeah. Drive. This uh, is one of mine too. Consume me. Absolutely up there. I'm yeah. so excited. It's like you said, it's vibes. It's like pure, like, yeah, so many cool things about it. And like, oh, God, I need to play it soon. I wish you play it soon. Oh, God. <laughs> Still jealous. Still won't forgive you. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I just you talked about as well, like how tactile everything was. So you actually like move the the um the it's an American car, right? So they have like park and drive, and you ha- yeah. have to turn the key and you turning the wheel and stuff. And that is just like yeah. the tactility of that is so good as well. And you have to like put the wheel on and take the take the um the door off and replace it oh yeah. that's so good when so you're like good. putting new bits on you've got to like replace the yeah. panels you're right and yeah you i think the passenger seat is a computer so as you're driving you got to pull over and then put it into park turn the engine off and then turn to your right and actually type on the keys to like look at your map it's all it's immersive it, honestly it's just the, the lengths they've oh. gone to to immerse you in this world are, are so good and, and so effective that's got um, such a promising vibe to it for me knowing less about it yeah but i'm just thinking about like dredge last year and the way it took the fishing mm-hmm. mini game thing that's like very big at the moment and kind of distilled it into this like yeah. perfect like focus on this one mechanic and i've noticed lately especially in like indie horror there's been a lot of driving mechanics coming up in indie horror games and oh, right, it's okay. really like the chillers art games they're like chillers art everything got, in sort of cars vein. Now? there's always like a little bit when you drive oh. a car around and I'm just thinking, like, yeah. is this is this kind of a similar iteration on a very popular concept that you see coming up? And then someone has the idea to make a game about that kind of like side story. And it, I mean, yeah. last last time I saw that, it went really well. So that's a really hopeful like mm. precedent for that. It's a really good point, actually. I guess the idea of like zooming by like a dark forest and just seeing a figure out the corner of your eye and then already being too far to sort of like Mm. understand what that was especially when it's a first person perspective and you're in like this quite cramped station wagon um yeah they've got so many like so much potential to do fucked up shit in that game that that sounds so cool and like pacific northwest Mm. i'm kind of in already you know with the saying but yeah, it's, it's enough for me i uh, <laughs> yeah i fucking love anything in. in the pacific northwest trio of twin peaks nerds over here just... <laughs> absolutely yeah one of our defining uh things we have in common definitely... uh, by the way before we move on to your next game rebecca um as someone who has played a lot of stardew valley you are wrong about that fishing game. I think it's great. Um, What's your next game, Rebecca? I'll give you an opportunity <laughs> to, to, to counteract to that. <laughs> it's all I'll say. All nope. I'll say. <laughs> I, this is, we will fall out over this. Rebecca, oh, yeah. what is your next game? <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Sorry, I need to recover from that. I was so savage. That, <laughs> <laughs> that drive-by, ironically. <laughs> drive-by? <laughs> anyway, my second pick is... Another Dread XP game, actually. Very, very excited for what Dread XP have lined up this year, which is Sucker for Love Date to Die For, which is the second game in the Sucker for Love trilogy that started with First Date back in, I think it was early 2022. So yes, the second game coming out, it's slightly different. Actually, it's from from seeing the demo, it's a a pretty different format this time. And I admit when I saw that it was going to be like different characters, um, sort of in the same central story, I guess it's kind of all going to come together in the third game. Potentially. Hmm. I was a little disappointed because like obviously it's it's a dating it's a horror dating sim so getting very attached to the characters is like a big part of that and I really I mean I've got a plushie of like my chosen wife from the <laughs> first game sitting just to my left here so clearly yes. it worked and get me very invested in those characters and I was a little bit sad to find out that they wouldn't be returning for this game but actually looking at the demo it's very exciting um it's quite, it's leaning a lot more heavily into the horror from the start, basically, which is interesting. 
the dating sim is kind of down. There's only like, rather than a dating sim this time, it kind of is a love story between two characters who are kind of like preset as the as the main couple. But what I mm. what I like about it is it still riffs on what Sucker for Love is doing. So in the first game, basically you play as this guy who is just like literally stupid, horny for eldritch abominations <laughs> to the point where he is like ending his own reality just to get to kiss one. And like his defining feature <laughs> is that he is he's just that. he's just this ridiculously lustful person. Um so because the best thing you can do when you change main characters for a sequel is to have contrast. The the new protagonist is um an an asexual woman. So she's she's homo romantic but asexual. And so she's immune to all of this eldritch lust bombing that's happening in the universe. So she encounters one of the other beings that's been summoned through all these spells that are being brought in. And she like really falls hard for this woman, um, this goddess that she meets, but she is unaffected by the magic that's being cast because it's affecting people's libido. Um, so while there is like this real romantic streak, she's kind of walking around like, okay, so I've got to like save my hometown. I've got to save like my girlfriends. And, you know, it's, it's just got a lot of promise and it's a lot, it front loads the spookiness a lot more because with the original game, it like, it was a little bit creepy, but it wasn't until sort of the last third that things got like scary. Whereas in this one, Ooh. you walk around, you, it's still a visual novel primarily, but it's a bit more point and click. You're walking around this woman's house. She's been like summoned home um, to her childhood home for the first time in years. She has a huge family. She has like 10 siblings. They've all gone missing. And so you're walking around this abandoned house, looking at all this creepy shit that's happened, like, you know, in all these kids' rooms and stuff. Oh um, it is spooky. Like you're walking down corridors and it does have that bit of like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go down there. It looks very scary. It's it's more horror, but it's also like I like the central romance and the sort of story that that it's got going on, where she's like immediately bowled over with how much like affection she feels for this this goddess Aww. that she meets. But she's like, no, the magic is not the magic's not going to bother me because you know that's not that's not how I that's not the attraction I'm feeling to you. So we're good. And they sort of like begin to plot together to try and save the town and to try and get mm. out. And I just like. I thought it was a really cool and interesting twist on the the concept of the first game was and I I look forward as well to the idea that in the third game maybe the two main characters will meet because I think they probably would have a lot to um to say to each other about, you know, do you or do you not end the world because you're so stupid oh, horny. God. <laughs> this sounds incredible. I'm so excited. I love the fact that there's yeah, that there's like <laughs> The the whole concept of dating sims essentially can be broken down into like romance and thirst and some people mm-hmm. being horny. And so making the main protagonist an ace, mm-hmm. and not only that, their aceness is a superpower. A superpower. In the context like, yeah, it's of so good. That, it's so it good. It literally like it's like I'm immune to your thirst, so come at me. It's yeah. incredibly funny. So that yeah. is so fucking funny. It, it oh totally won me over as an idea, and I thought it was very um a very clever way of making because it's going to be a trilogy right um uh akabaka who makes it was commissioned to make a trilogy on the base of a little demo that he did back in 2020 i think um the first game was really good but it just expanded the demo in a very cool way um but i like that it's yes. not just going to be that game three times you know i like that there's very different takes on this story um and it's creepy it's, oh. it's a lot creepier than the first game I really do think it's a lot creepy in the first yeah, game. Yeah, it looks a bit, it looks cre- a bit the creepy. The art style's gone a bit grungier. Like in the first game, it's very um, pastel, like very bright 
kind of like the three yeah. love interests. It's like pastel pink, pastel yellow, and pastel blue, and they have very bright colors associated with them. And it's mostly like kind of sweet, very cute, very silly, and then it will just be like gore for a second and in quite a <laughs> quite a funny way. Whereas in this one, it's like it's creepier and weirder in that. Damn, one. It has like a faded like VHS like found. Mm, oh, that's I think it's very deliberate. It. I think it is like the the style that he's gone for this time. Um, oh, and yeah. worth, worth mentioning as well, this is out on Valentine's Day. Um, oh, That shit. is a date that was announced quite a ways back, so I feel like he's fairly confident he's going to hit the date. Um, obviously, it's a great day to release a romance-themed game as well. So, yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. I'm very excited to play this. This is so cool. I'm I literally going to play the demo. I'm literally, yeah, I'm going to as well. I'm going to play it. the first one as well. Rachel's like, I'm playing the demo it right am. now. Everyone leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I'm talking She's downloading it right now. Yeah. Um, Discord drops there's out. There's a bit in that it's a bit in that trailer where it looks like you're interacting with objects by like clicking and dragging. And there's mm. a bit where the main character pulls open a sliding door and there's a bunch yes. of cultists and a guy with a shotgun. Yeah. And like, what? The, I mean, it looks so good. What the hell? I can't wait to play this. I know. It's just, it's such a, it's such a fun concept. And I love, I have to see like, as you say, not only ace representation, but ace representation as a goddamn superpower is like so exciting. Because that is like, being immune to something is so funny and it's such a twist yeah. on it because like, I don't know, a lot of ace people feel it's like, oh yeah, like we're missing out or I, I lack something. But like the fact that it's been kind of framed in a way as in like, oh no, you're immune. And it's like, it's like yeah. oh, that's so fun. And it's a good twist on the genre. It's like saying something about the genre and it's like, yeah, Definitely. ace rep, incredible. Love that. Oh. Brilliant, Very excited brilliant for that pick, one. Rebecca. Such a good yeah. pick. Yes. I, yep, yeah, gonna have to play those. <laughs> so good. Damn, another one for the bloody wish list. Thank you, <laughs> as always. Always happy to provide. <laughs> Rachel, what's your next game? My second one is 1000X Resist, which I've talked about before. Um, I played the demo for this last year during Steam Next Fest. Uh, I thought it was incredible. It was my favorite demo. I played quite a, a fair few and this is my number one. Uh, I'll briefly talk about it because we talked about it on this podcast, right? Yes, like, it was on yes, this one. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't remember the number, um, but I'll briefly go over it. It's essentially I mean, it like good, a sci-fi. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it was quite that. early. Uh, yes, so it's like a, um, a sci-fi visual novel where the premise is that uh, all of humanity has been wiped out by a virus and the only survivor called Iris uh, became kind of like a leader of her own co um, clone army and clone society. She created a bunch of clones. They now rule the world. Uh, girl boss move. Pretty sure I made that joke last time. Sorry about that. But also not sorry because it's still kind of funny. <laughs> That's a good joke. Um, so, I mean, you can't go wrong with a good girl boss. And right, indeed, so you play, as, <laughs> you play as the Watcher, who is a clone who can travel through people's memories, being a bit sus about Iris's past uh, and wanting to know more about this virus and these aliens who came to Earth to spread it and whether that is kind of true or not. They dip into Iris's memories from when she was at, she was um, in high school when the, the pandemic oh, kind of um, started to break out amongst the humans and these invaders, uh, quote unquote invaders, like kind of a bit more about why they came to Earth and what their intentions were and it's kind of like a mystery but also it's like it's commenting on a lot of things obviously one of them is the pandemic uh, or other just like global epidemics that we've seen in human history 
Uh, there's a lot of um, queerness in this. I'm pretty sure Iris from the demo is definitely queer, and it's who like her figuring out that through like her high school um, experiences. Yeah, this game uses style. It's there are these dream sequences that are just like so artistic and yet like super grounded in like the like the points and story they're trying to make. So it's not too lofty. Yeah, this game looks great. The demo is a gut punch. The first opening, like the first few minutes of the demo are just like so gripping that you're just like, oh my God, I need to, I need to know what else happens. <laughs> yeah. If you like, I like a sci-fi mystery. Okay. Like we've, mm. we like, oh, I've yeah. talked about a lot of detective mystery games. There's not a lot that kind of like overlap with like sci-fi themes, like AI and being human and what that means. Um, and aliens apparently. Uh, so that combination is intriguing. So yes, I am very much looking forward to uh, 1000X Resist when it releases sometime this year. It's got the 2024 timestamp on it, but no month or date. But uh, yes, very... Uh, I'm pretty sure I talked about this last time as well, but anything that fellow Traveller publish, I will play. Yep. Any game, Absolutely. Anyth yep. any of them. And I love day them one. all. So yep. <laughs> yeah, day yeah. one. <laughs> so yes, uh, 1000X Resist, my second pick. I've refused to play the demo for this because. I mm. want to go in blind. I'm already so excited for it. I'm just going to wait for it to launch. Uh, yes. You might have heard me typing there. It was to write down the idea of that post-pandemic trauma episode mm. that we discussed last year. Yes. Um, I would, yes. I'm sorry to just commission you on your own podcast <laughs> no, it's fine. to do that as a topic. But I was like, I'm not forgetting about this. I'm writing it down immediately. Mm. Uh, yeah, this looks great. It wasn't on my radar until you mentioned it last time. Now it very much is. Same. Cannot wait to like, play this. Yeah, it was. I, I found it. I like. Calm down, chill. It's fine. We're excited about video games. It's so exciting. Can't help it. But when while I wearing looked... her video games ruined my life hard. I just want to say that. Okay. Yeah. It's, just, it's a great it's hat. My podcasting hat. Your podcasting hat. It's from. Hat. It's... Oh my god! Don't mind me. Just destroying the set. Punching her on microphone. <laughs> I just headbutt my microphone with my <laughs> video games ruined my life hat. Um, what was I going to say? Yes, I was the same. I hadn't heard of this game until Next Fest. So yep. congrats, Steam, for actually doing a good job at promoting yeah, certain fair. upcoming indie games. Saw so it had the fellow traveler publisher. It was like definitely going to give us a go. And yeah, absolutely blew me away. Um, yeah, dude. I want this to play this game so bad. I mean, good it, idea not playing the demo though, because remember that one episode we all talked about how the demos kind of ruined up like yeah, each of our yeah. own games for us. <laughs> yep. Smart, yeah, some. I mean, it's got to be said if you hadn't, if I hadn't been so sure that you were going to bring this one up today, I would have put it on my list probably because it. Mm. I was so excited for this after we talked about it last time. Top Absolutely. quality pick. Hook. So Liam, how about you? What's your second pick? My second pick is something that I think Rachel will also want to have a little chat about. This oh, yes. is Thank Goodness You're Here by Cole Supper. This was already on my radar from its initial Gamescom trailer, which is like this chaotic burst of colour that blew me away in the middle of just a lot of quite dreary DoorDash adverts from our favourite ghoul, Jeff Keighley. Um, but I... After playing the demo of this, I, I think this is one of the best things I've ever played. <laughs> I can't get over how the 20 minutes I spent playing this game made me. This is a 
I guess it's an adventure game where you play as a very small goblin-like traveling salesman <laughs> who's, about, who's about a foot high. He travels to uh, a town called Barnsworth in in the north of England. I'm just laughing just reading out these notes because everything's reminded me of the game. It, it's got this, So it looks beautiful, right? It's got this like, lovely cartoon style. It's almost like Beano crossed with Adventure Time is maybe how Ooh. I'd describe it. Everyone has very thick northern accents. Uh, I went to university in Preston and I... Uh, fuck, I'm going to fill off my own chair there. What is happening to you <laughs> soon? Fucking, I know. I don't know. Just... I missed the side of my chair. <laughs> <laughs> I went to I went to university. I genuinely like give me the fear there oh, doing no. that. Just like slightly <laughs> missing my chair for a second. I went to university in Preston. I lived in Manchester for a couple of years, so I, I'm just so used to like that specific northern accent uh, from like the northwest. Uh, so playing this was very amusing for me. All you can do in this game is run around in different scenes and punch things. That's all you can do. You interact <laughs> with the world by slapping it. Is this like one foot little gremlin and Everyone responds to you being like, "Eat up, lad. Do you mind not doing that? Or, oh, come here, have, grab a bit of scrambled toast on your way out. And it's so fucking my humour. I cannot describe to you is how this just weaseled its way into my brain. So all it is is you run around, you slap things, and it triggers dialogue or random events or puzzle solutions by walking around slapping things. And it is so, so fucking funny. And it's, it's so, so slapstick. Funny. Like, you'll... <laughs> whack something and fall down a well and you'll fall in a bucket and then just like with a wet slap hit the floor or you'll get stuck in a pipe and a chimney sweep will push you down it and then you'll flop out of the chimney and all of the dust will go over this guy reading the paper and he'll be like oh you're all right son and then obviously i can't this demo ends with uh big ron my my new favorite <laughs> character in anything big ron supremacy this this pie maker who slams against the window as he runs past his pie shop and and I, it's, I think it's called Thank Goodness You're Here because every character is like, Thank goodness you're here. You can help me with this random thing that I need doing. And you go into Big Ron's pie shop and you've got to find a slab of meat to to make this big pie. Um, and you end up breaking the machine because the, the, the young lass who works in the shop fancies the the delivery driver from the pastry place and Big Ron gets distracted. And then it, and then it ends with an advert for Big Ron's massive pie that... You can, it'll feed your family for 40 years. And I just have enough for supper. <laughs> so, was like, it? Feed, it, feed a family of five for 40 years and have enough for supper. So, I'll have enough for supper. Um, so and good. Big Ron is is voiced. I was thrilled to realize Big Ron is, is voiced by John Log Blythe, who used to be a games journalist who wrote for PC Gamer and Official Xbox, um, one of the hosts of the Regular Features podcast. A man who once smeared Nutella on my face at a live recording of regular features. If you ever want to go watch oh my that God. happen wow. to me. Okay. Um, he, he, uh, yes, he he smeared it on my face and uh, made me and Yolly read out a script on, on stage, which was uh, quite a funny moment for me. Bless you, Log. Uh, and he's so funny. He's so good at doing voices. And he, he really does bring Big Ron to life. Let me tell <laughs> you. <laughs> It's like the performance of a lifetime. This is the demo. Yeah, this game uh, makes me feel fuzzy when I think about it. Uh, it it properly, <laughs> properly got me. And it was just the demo. I can't wait for this fucking game. Dude, it's so good. Rebecca, you need to give it a go. I, I feel like you'd do. love it yeah, as well. Really, really I definitely do. do. It yeah. feels like it's got big untitled goose game energy, which I obviously also loved. So, yes. so it, it, it's it so does. unhinged, though. It's, but it's, like... <laughs> it's way funnier than Untitled Goose Game. Like, I feel like Untitled yeah, Goose Game. Yeah. 
I feel like that's a gentle humour, yeah. whereas this is more unhinged, but still it's kind of big in that rods, continuum. Big pies. Um and I do love I do love the um the trope. Is it is it common enough to be a trope of people just coming to you with fetch quests? Like, yes, like increasingly yes. ludicrous fetch quests. Yes. Yeah, Blood! It's so good. Getting you. I, it's just it's like there's the the bit that really got me is the shop that sells fish and cigarettes. Oh, oh smoked is it smoked kippers? Smoked kippers. And he's like you're at son. While while you're there in the icebox, can you just you know fix my display? And you're smacking these fish, and like Marlboros are popping out of their mouths. Oh, that's a good joke. <laughs> so, so good. fucking good. But yes, it, it takes that trope, and it's like, what if we were just so fucking silly with it? That's oh goddamn! Oh. Yes. Was it uh, peens? Not quite beans. Not quite peas. Peens. Slide. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, who the yeah. Oh, oh my god. It took me a it's minute. It's so Yorkshire and Northern. It's, it's so funny. It took me a minute so, when you, so you two both started talking in the Discord earlier about peens, and I was like, okay, this is confusing <laughs> to me. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. Out, out of context, that might have sounded slightly dark. Out of context, but, uh, it was a little weird, but like, I was quickly caught up on the joke, <laughs> and I like it. The big run is so fucking funny. Is it the way he slams against the window when you run? <laughs> oh, boy, lad! <laughs> <laughs> and it, like oh. the animation is just so good oh, like it has amazing. this really bouncy quality which kind of is like everything's slightly unhinged and like things yeah. move in strange ways and like there are just bits of like animated sections like there's a bit where you're in a fruit shop and like this guy just has a flashback because he has quite a big head and it just shows his life <laughs> like from when he was a small baby with a big head to like him now as an adult man who's very angry because of his big oh, head and it's God. just like it's See, like a one minute animated sequence that, of this so man's life funny. that is exactly my sense of humor i really have to check that. this girl I this is our you, sense of humor yeah yes. oh my god yeah. i yeah a ludicrously long flashback to explain an unnecessary detail. Yes. Oh my God. That's where I'm at. I love it. <laughs> my poor attempt at humour on this podcast is like 5% of what they're doing here in terms of quality. Like, it is exactly my type of humour and I can't believe how well done it is. Holy shit. If this game is only an hour long, I don't give a, I don't give a fuck. Right? One hour will be fine. I'll play it through a hundred times and I'll quote it for the rest of my fucking life. <laughs> I, I should also mention at this point that um, when I was looking up something about Tiny Bookshop earlier, um, it is on a list with Tiny Bookshop, I think on the Guardian of um, like most anticipated like low-key games that oh, are getting a lot of press. So I think, you know, yeah. we got, Damn. there's a good selection coming through. We got, you know, the, we got the, the good stuff. We got the, the inside info on the interesting little indies coming out soon. <laughs> Damn right we do. Well, anything with Big Ron's Big Pies was always going to rock it. Big Ron's Big Pies! <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Headcount, uh, is there any way that Tiny Bookshop can be in the same town but seen from a radically different perspective? Yeah, probably. <laughs> the tiny salesman slaps the outside of it and it explodes. You know, how, yes, you know how when it gets to Halloween and like indie games do all these these really cool little crossover cameos in each of those games for Halloween? Imagine if that yeah. happens. Imagine if yes. there's a little Halloween update with Tiny Bookshop and just Big Ron. <laughs> that would Slams be up, can I impeccable. put a poster in your window? You've seen oh, that. It just God. made me think that the main character from uh, Thank Goodness You're Here is like the fixed version of Tim the Terrible Boy from Braid. He's like, he's like, he's like the good version of that archetype. Oh, like the timelines diverge. With his little tie. And... Little tie, yeah. And his receding hairline. Yeah, he's so good. I don't understand. He doesn't say a word. He doesn't say one he's fucking just... word and he's so small. 
<laughs> okay. Right, Ooh. I need you two to talk about Demon School, please. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Sorry, this is a this right, is a Demon was... School duo takeover of the Indie Venture podcast. <laughs> Here they yeah. are. It's the Demon School likers. <laughs> Take it away. Uh, Rebecca, do you want to describe Demon School or should I? You you go because you've you've played the demo and I've not actually played it or anything. Oh. So. Oh, they need to. Re- I'm sure the next, next. To be fair, best. I think I actually have right. it downloaded. It's just it's been a hell of a oh. year. I just literally could not get another game in sideways. So oh. it's not happened yet. No worries. Right. So yes, Demon School is by Necrosoft Games. It's a turn-based RPG where you play as like a squad of college kids who are just kind of solving small-town mysteries. They kind of involve involve like zombies and vampires and all supernatural nonsense. And yeah, I guess it's an overarching story about like, I think the town has been like pulled. There's like a gateway to hell or the underworld has been opened in this like small town. So yeah, all these like nasties that are like kind of coming through the gate in the portal, like these group of college kids are like, we're going to stop them very Scooby-Doo style. Um, the, oh, uh, sorry, I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> the turn-based um, <laughs> fights are really great. Super punchy. The characters have synergized attacks, which feel just so satisfying when you pull them off the town and its characters are just really cool and interesting and we all have a high school to explore particularly one of us uh high school stories I mean, like fictional um, the fictional soundtrack, high school and no desire to go back to a fictional, real high fictional. school <laughs> yeah fuck school didn't want to be there when um, i was there <laughs> music is incredible it's kind of got this kind of choral church mixed with like like electric techno like hardcore beats uh it just is a really cool promise for a game and yeah i played the demo it was really great at one point you fight a giant skeleton head with like two massive hands that like rake their like their fingers across the battlefield it kind of goes from like a 2d um visual novel exploration game into an a 3d isometric viewpoint so it's it's got it's just it's great there's got a lot to it is what i think i'm trying to say there's a lot to like about demon school it's got a lot of different ideas. It's pulling from a lot of different inspirations Absolutely. as well. And yeah, it's it looks great. And I, I can't wait for it, the release yes. sometime this year. Um, I think they said Q2 is the is the latest sort of Oh hell yeah. Broad, yeah, that's what it says on the stage. Broad estimate. Um which obviously we don't we don't hold developers to those sort of things around here because goodness knows nope, game dev is hard not. enough, but Q2, exciting. Prospect it was on my mm. most anticipated games list of last year as well, didn't quite quite end up happening but oh yeah mm-hmm. i mean there's so many so many games are just sort of put on a list and hope i think there are about 50 games on my list <laughs> yes. last year so i'm like it, the fact that i didn't even get to play all the ones that did come out so i certainly have no, <laughs> no objection to people mm-hmm. taking more time yeah i'm just re- i'm also really excited for this one um it's interesting we, we were talking about this earlier so back um in summer of 2022 we did a video on rps uh where i talked about this as my most my most anticipated game um, from E3. Was it E3 2022 that we saw this? Uh, oh, God. Maybe? What? Not E3. Whatever, I can't remember. Whatever happened you, you to Serbia Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> so much time has passed. Um, but I just remember talking um, about it because I was very excited because it's got that very... It's got, like, a very Hades meets Monster Prom meets Danganronpa, like, totally my aesthetic. But I remember saying to, to Liam, who was hosting the video, like, I don't know much about turn-based games. Um, so it was going to be, like, a, a challenge for me. But as it happens, like my two favorite AAA games of last year were both turn-based games, Baldur's Gate 3 and Honkai mm. Star Rail. And so I, I'm now coming to this from a very different perspective to what I expected to be coming to as like as someone who 
yeah. has really put in the 200 odd hours on those two games to learn a lot more about turn-based combat. So I'm a little less intimidated by Demon School now than I was a couple of years ago. Um, I will mm-hmm. probably get my arse handed to me as soon as I start trying to fight that giant skull, but I'm <laughs> I'm looking forward to it now. I feel like it's a problem I can overcome um, and, you know, get mm. back into the lovely, like, getting to know my... Because there's, like, four... four Is it four playable characters or are you playing as one of them? But there's, like, f- friendship mechanics and all that good stuff in there as well. Yes. Um, mm. It's visually just... It pleases me a lot. I love that colour palette that they're working with. Oh, um, the purple-pink colour palette is so yeah, nice. Yeah, so, it's visually so stunning, good. yeah. It looks so good. Um, yeah, very excited for this one. Very excited for this. Yeah, one. when you were mentioning all ga- all the, the the games, I feel like Persona is a big draw as well. Mm, oh yeah, it's Persona. Very... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. I think Persona, that was a big one. The for line them. through it for me is like Persona fans and Danganronpa fans end up being the same people after a while. But I've got into it through the Danganronpa <laughs> side of things rather than the Persona side of things. But oh yeah, they yeah? did. They did cite Persona. I think is a is a pretty big inspiration. So I'm kind of looking at it from the wrong end, but with the right idea. I think. Yes. Um, I believe in that video, uh, I think I've remembered it now, we came to the conclusion that Persona and Buffy are two sides of the same coin. We did, we did, because high school in hell, yes. that's what we said, I remember yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Persona monsters. is a Buffy game, I think we did say that. <laughs> Persona is a Buffy game. It wasn't that catchy, but I'm glad you kept that for this podcast. Fuck me. Persona is a Buffy game. Oh my oh God. Uh, there's, there's some there's some twisted version of reality where there's a PS2 Buffy game that's a Persona like RPG. Oh, oh, I would love I'd that. I'd play the shit be, out of that. Actually, that'd be so good. That'd be, that'd be amazing. Yeah, it would be yeah. great. <laughs> Imagine if the Persona team made a Buffy game. I want to go to that universe actually. Like, yeah, just have so, a look. See what is see it what Atlas? The like it's Atlas. Atlas yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, He's, Atlas. Stop making that new <laughs> fantasy RPG that looks incredible and make a Buffy game instead, please. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Demon's Girl, totally, totally get why you're both excited for it. I, 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 I the, the combat didn't click with me. I'm just going to say it. And these two bullied me relentlessly earlier. They, do you know what they did, <laughs> listeners? In our little Discord, Rachel sent a picture of two prosecutors from Ace Attorney and said, this is me and you, Rebecca. And then they sent a picture of Phoenix Wright's ass and said, this is Liam. <laughs> Oh, because I dared to say, oh, I'm not as excited for Demon School as you two are, it's but not that's even fine, like I wish you're you all not, the best. You weren't even like, I'm not excited, you were like, I'm not as excited. And we <laughs> I think it looks good. With uh, of Phoenix Wright's arms. No, it's not good enough. It's yeah. not good enough. We must all be on the same page or death. <laughs> that's how this podcast works. Yeah, we literally can't have oh. yeah, the conflict at all. As soon as there's any like mild disagreement, it's over. It's done. Well, Rachel was spanning that uh, creepy smile with like the dead eyes for like five oh, minutes yeah. to everything I said. First, the first emoji in like all of the emojis, which is like, yeah, dead dead in the eyes. <laughs> like passive aggressive face. Yeah. yeah I, That's finally it's so yeah. passive aggressive. I'm so naive because it took me a minute to work out what you were doing. It's like, oh nice nice smiley face to be reassuring to your friend. Oh, oh, oh no. That's really oh, no. sweet. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like getting creepier when- and creepier. <laughs> She had an agenda and uh, it all laid. Yeah. But listen, there's two sides oh. to, you know, it's Phoenix's ass at the end of the day. So, um, you know, you could take that anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's True. Like it's a big, big there are worse positively. asses to be compared to, I'm sure. I, I should should clarify, it was the ass from the uh, the very oh, yeah. famous cartoon uh, where he points at Edgeworth and says, he's being mean to me. Uh, which I guess was also me in that moment because you two were being mean to me. And I too was small squat. Phoenix what did I do? With a well giant done. dump well truck. Done. What did I do? 
<laughs> you were there. <laughs> you were. You... <laughs> I was there. I only spoke up against it a little bit before I got distracted by the Ace Attorney meme. So you are quite right. I am culpable. You were laugh reacting. You were laugh reacting to to Rachel's uh, bullying. <laughs> Therefore, you're complicit. I'm just uh, more amused by the fact that we can all recognise Phoenix Wright's ass. Like instantly. I knew it immediately. She, we knew it. She we cropped it down it. to just it. the cheeks, and I yeah. was like, I know those cheeks just from those anywhere. Blue clad ass cheeks, and you just immediately know. <laughs> but like, I th- is that the screen? I don't think I cropped it. Like, it's just this giant. Oh, but no, you cropped it. Can I? In the- did I? Did I crop <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. Right, cropped down to the bottom. Can I just tell a quick story? Because you guys are like this. Please do. Like yes, um, I, yes. Was, I was playing more of the Apollo Justice preview that I got on my Switch over Christmas, and my oh, dad yeah. came and sat down next to me for a minute while I was playing. Um, he was like, "You playing Ace Attorney?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Which one's the gay lawyer?" <laughs> I was like, hey! uh, they, they're all the gay yeah. lawyer. <laughs> Uh, but I was like, but that current- one and that one and that one. Yeah, it's like okay, basically. But it was just really funny. <laughs> it just really got me. <laughs> so like, That's good. So yes, funny. your influence <laughs> is spreading. This is this is how I know I'm an influencer because my dad knows that Phoenix Wright is the gay lawyer game. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, I listened back to us saying that a few weeks ago, and it makes us laugh every time. I know it's, it's, it's so it, good. It was very gay lawyers. Sorry, um, totally derailed. I have us. a couple. Never, ever, ever apologize for bringing up uh, the gay <laughs> lawyer game on this podcast. Phoenix Wright's ass. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Liam. I have a name. Uh, so, some honorable mentions before we uh, move on to oh, hyperfixations. Uh, just some games I really wanted to talk about because I'm really excited for them but didn't have the time. Uh, Angerfoot by Free Lives. It's a first person hotline Miami-like where you play as a horrible freak with a big gangly green leg and you're killing hot dogs with heads. Uh, ex- excellent, excellent game. The demo for that is wonderful. That's due out this year. Rise of the Golden Idol, the sequel to Curse of the Golden Idol by Color Green oh, Games. Yes! Uh, set in the 1970s. I mentioned the podcast before. I, I liked Golden Idol. I didn't love it because of the uh, the fact I played it so soon after Oberdin, but the mm-hmm. fact they're making a follow-up to that is very, very exciting. Jeff Keighley put that in the pre-show of the Game Awards. Less said about that, the better. Uh, Synergy by Lakia Le- Games. Apologies for saying that wrong. This is a pharaoh-like city builder that is set on like an alien world and uh, has a focus on understanding the local flora and fauna. Uh, that looks Ooh. you should look that up visually that looks incredible and speaking of incredible visuals europa by nova dyke oh, entertainment yeah. uh, a mm. ghibli vis- a visually resembling a ghibli film Ooh. this is like an exploration narrative adventure that i cannot bloody wait for that game that's out soon as well i think that's out in february or march and finally uh crow country by sfb games as rachel mentioned <laughs> nice. it is liam fodder um this is a survival horror game that visually resembles like final fantasy more than resident evil but it definitely takes influences from both of those games on the playstation one can't wait for that looks absolutely amazing the demo is good and also still available to play on steam uh yeah just some honorable mentions to round us out there the my shortlist was about 30 games there's too many games coming out this year this will not be the only time we do a anticipated <laughs> games episode this year oh, for sure yeah <laughs> i'm extremely cheeky and do one more very quick honorable mention that i forgot to do earlier only do if you now. put your hand up like teams. Oh yeah, do the teams hand. Do the teams <laughs> hand, please. Yes, yes, Rebecca. Question. Yes. <laughs> um, I forgot to mention earlier that um, Locomotive, one of the games that we um, played yes. as part of the Indie Cup, oh, uh, Indie Cup God, UK yes. last summer, Good. is oh, out in Q1. Um, I don't think it's got a release date yet, but 
it is, it just reminded me because talking about murder on the Orient Express and also the fact that like so many of my favorite games last year were set on trains. Um, train mysteries and train oh. games in general are really in at the moment and Locomotive is a sort of like comedy take on that genre, obviously popularized by Murder on the Orient Express, that is very LucasArtsy um, in the way it's presented. I think we all had a pretty cool time with it at IndieCup last summer and yeah, that should mm. be out hopefully in the next few months and I will definitely be checking it out when it is. Uh, didn't want to forget that one but I forgot to bold it in my notes. And if my notes don't tell me, then I'm lucky if I see a thing. No, yes, I'd actually forgotten to write that down, which was criminal of me because I loved that demo and I can't wait. To yeah, it was again. very fun. It was very, yeah. I mean, it got Rachel, the famous point and click mystery disliker on site. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be good. Cause like, I'm, you know, I'm very into these games, but maybe I'm too into these games. Maybe I'm too easy to, to draw in, but Rachel, <laughs> Rachel has very high like, standards for point and click games. And, yep, and yeah. she liked it. That's, a, that's liked a very good indicator, actually. So, yeah. I did like it. Yes. Sorry to, to ruin your very well-structured um, end of the section, Liam, but I just really wanted to. Not at all. I couldn't read my own handwriting, to be honest. And I didn't realise what cruel country said until Rachel said it earlier. And I was like, oh yeah, that says cruel country, not cow country. <laughs> cow country. If you have any games that you're excited that are coming out in 2024 and you'd like us to know about them, get in touch. Contact at indieventurepodcast.co.uk. UK. Shall we move on to some hyper fixations? Our first of the year. Ooh, yeah, of course. Rebecca, what is your hyper fix? Ah, come on, Liam, you're doing so well. You're doing really Almost well. there. So We're well, there. Rebecca. What is your hyper fixation? <laughs> Might leave oh, that in. We're all we're all flagging. We haven't done this in so long. <laughs> um, so yeah, I know I've been spamming you guys with all of the many updates on things that I'm just constantly into. I'm like, I'm still playing the Apollo Justice trilogy, obviously. Um, I finally got into the weird Danganronpa spin-off shooter after bouncing off it pretty hard, sort of middle of last year. I finally like it's got its hooks into oh, me and I'm yeah. going into that. Um, there's a new Life is Strange comic series out, which is very exciting. And I have lots and lots of thoughts about that. I read the first issue the other day. So naturally, what I want to talk about is none of those things. And I said, I just want to talk really quickly about the Harley Quinn cartoon. Um, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right, yeah. Um, mainly because unusually I try to keep um, things and hyperfixations like very timeless, if that makes sense as recommendations. But I do want to bring this up because Harley Quinn, which is a, it's what it sounds like. It's it's a, a DC, uh, DC universe TV series, animated TV series starring um, Hayley Cuoco, I want to say. I don't quite know how to pronounce her name. From Big Bang Theory as Harley. Oh, is it? Yeah, she's really she's really good in it. Um, it's like a really good voice cast. It's a, it's a sort of um, very weird look at the DC universe through Harley Quinn's eyes. It's very much its own canon. They're very fast and loose with killing off characters, um, like very oh. major characters. Um, it's all very much from like the villainous point of view. It's really It's really irreverent and fun. And um, it's also like super queer, kind of like the central the central story is the romance between Harley and uh, Poison Ivy. That's kind of the, yes. the main thing that's run through it. It's obviously like very into that. It's on its fourth, well, it's it's had its fourth series now. Uh, the fourth series has just been aired in the UK. But the thing that I was very excited for was that last Valentine's Day, they had a special episode, um, a 45 minute special between series three and four. And I have been waiting for that to be aired in the UK for literally, I mean, it's, it's the beginning of January 2024 and we're recording this. That aired on Valentine's Day. It's finally been on in the UK and I've watched it. And I'm just like so happy that after 
10 months, I got to see this stupid episode that I've been just like, <laughs> wait, because like it was meant to be between series three and four and they just never aired it. And I'm like, are they not going to show it in the UK because of like the way TV scheduling mm. gets weird? Um, they showed it after series four, which is not quite the order for it, I guess. But mm. it's worth saying just because if you are in the UK and you like this series, it's on all four at the moment, um, the free streaming service. Oh, wow, it's on okay. until the end of January. So if you've been waiting like I was for months and months and months to watch this special episode of Harley Quinn, like do go watch it. It's 45 minutes. It's a lot of fun. Extremely, I want to say raunchy. And I think that makes me sound really old. Um, but I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else, raunchy, I don't eh? know what else to say. There's a lot of cartoon sex, but it's not really pornographic. I don't really know what to tell you. Um, but yeah, I finally got to watch it. I really enjoyed it. I'm very into that that series and also there's a tie-in comic to that as well which is fun if you ever want to check that out like I'm glad that it's still going because I didn't expect it to last more than a season or two but it's still yeah you know it's, it's nice to yeah, see it's, it's still going people love it yeah, yeah. but you know it's, like it's, it's kind of a risk I guess of a very um villainous oriented like they're very willing to kill off the heroes take on the DC universe with queer leads must have been a hard sell yeah mm. I'm just like really glad that they made it and I have been really enjoying it the last few days. I've nearly finished uh, the new series that's just been on. And yeah, I'm just very excited for it at the moment. So, and I wanted to be like, yes, people go watch it. If you're in the UK and you want to watch Ooh. it, go watch it by the end of January. Um, Cause then it goes off all four and goodness knows where it'll get streamed after that. So, so it's, it's all here. on all, f- all it's, four seasons are on all four. I think it's just season four and the special at the moment, but to see it. Right. Like, okay. Because all four is kind of like a very limit because it's a free platform. They just tend to put stuff up for the first month after it gets shown, which means it's really easy to miss stuff. Um, And because I've been obsessing over watching this this special episode in particular for like nearly a year, I just really want people to know that it's there. So I was like, that's a hyperfixation right there. (laughs) Yes. Go watch the Valentine's special. It's very good. Um, How many shows even do Valentine's specials? But it's like so appropriate for this very romantic, very very fucked up show to get a Valentine's special between seasons. I love that. Yeah, so, that's yeah. not really available to stream anywhere, and you can only buy some seasons on Apple and Prime. I hate it when that happens in the UK. I know so it's so frustrating. Like, like I say, having to like constantly watch Geek Town UK for an update on when this yeah. lemon special was going to air for ten months was. Oh, and also mm. they've uploaded it to all four, not as part of the Harley Quinn series, but as its own separate thing. So it's really easy to miss, even if uh, you're looking for it. They so yeah. Do that all the time. They do that with Taskmaster as well. Like Ugh. it's not just in one playlist. It's yeah. Yeah. This is my PSA to anyone who's a Harley Quinn fan. Like, go watch it by the end of January. It's very, very fun. <laughs> it's a good PSA. <laughs> that is Rachel, PSA. <laughs> what is your first well, not not only am I gonna ask you what your first type of fixation is, can I guess what it is? Yes, absolutely guess. Is it season two of the trays? It is season <laughs> yeah, two of the trays. <laughs> I fucking love the traitors. I fucking love the traitors. I am so into the traitors. How did you know? <laughs> so yes, mine is season two of the traitors. It was supposed to air over Christmas and it didn't. It got delayed, but that's okay because it's on now. I've actually missed tonight's episode. It was on at 9 p.m. and it's now 10. Oh, so to record this. Oh my God. Wow. 
I know. Listen, I understand, but you know, priorities. Um, next time I'll just watch it in the background as I talk to you two. That's JK, fine. I have to pay full attention to it because I want to know every single psychological move that these these people are making. Uh, for those who don't know, The Traitors is a UK reality TV show that's had spin-offs in the US, not so great. Australia, pretty good. Um, this is season mm. two of the UK one with Claudia Winkleman, who is an icon. She is the moment. She's a queen. She's a legend. Uh, she also has a really big fringe, uh, which is <laughs> oh, she does amazing, great. As someone who rocked a fringe for many years, like I- I'm, I'm in total and utter awe at, at her fringe. Um, it's a kind of social deduction game where 22 people are just shoved into this very lavish Scottish mansion. Three of them are deemed traitors. No one else knows that they're traitors, and the idea is that. The, the faithfuls have to work out who's a traitor through uh, you think logic and insight but rare, that rarely comes into it can you believe that um each day there's a round table where they all sit at this table and they all discuss who they think a traitor is and then they pick someone and if they are a traitor yay and if they're not oopsies um and then the traitors get to kill someone off each night so it's a very fast-paced reality tv show in which two people go each episode uh, so 22 people will become, I don't know, very small number in like a week or two. So it's quite fast paced. It's interesting to learn, to kind of like look at how these people think they're playing a game and you're just like a girl, you have no idea. And some people are like spot on. They also took the Australia, uh, like something from Australia, which they have a clairvoyant this season. Oh. So there's someone who thinks that she can speak to spirits and oh, things man. that they wait, can tell wait, her who's a traitor. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's a legitimate... A legit, like, not someone who's been given the role of the clairvoyant and given information within the game, but someone who is at like an actual clairvoyant. She she thinks that she can speak to spirits. They did this Australia one. Australia reality TV show is wild. So the UK <laughs> one were like, we like that. And she, oh my god, she was such a drama queen. That the one who was in the Australian one was like such a drama queen. She stood up. She said, "These are the traitors." She said five people's names and left. Like left the show. She was completely wrong on all accounts. But it was still really fun. It was still really funny. So yeah, they have a clairvoyant. Um, she's not. She has only been one episode so far, so she's not really like made her mark yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a fun TV show. I think this one will be a bit more of an easier watch because the last one it got like people were like aff- getting affected like by mm, being yeah. accused of being a traitor. So this time I think people are a bit more like into the game and they understand like how right, it works. Okay. Um, so it's a bit less of like a oh god people are crying yeah. and th- this one boy is literally having an anxiety attack at, like <laughs> at this round table. Don't worry though, he won at the end, so it's all good. Oh, okay, good. Uh, one of three, he won of three people who won. So yeah, it's like really, it's just a really great TV show, and I fucking love it. I'm in two WhatsApp WhatsApp groups with different people talking about <laughs> this yeah. one person. This person in the first episode was like, oh, he was like, oh yeah, I went to Cardiff, and the other guy was like, oh, uh, like um, what did you think? He was like, I didn't think much of it. What? I would immediately, regardless or not, being like, even if I'm not a traitor, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna dob, I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna <laughs> vote you out. You How dare? <laughs> How dare you speak about Cardiff like that? How dare? Cardiff's great. I don't know what you know what? about. That's it's a enough, lovely city, right? Yeah, I'm not just saying that because I think Rachel might kill me if I did. No, I really love Cardiff. I very nearly no, moved there knows. at one point. You studied there. Very, yeah. very nearly so, did. I was just like, well, if they're, they're looking for any reason at the start of the episode, I was like, that's mine. I'd be at that table with my little placard. And they would say his name. And he'd be like, what do you think of me? And I was like, I'd be just like, I'd just be like, you said, you know, Cardiff yeah. doesn't welcome you. No. Don't step a foot in Cardiff. <laughs> and he said it online. He said it on TV, UK TV, girl. 
absolutely. It's a bold anyway, choice. So yeah, can that's I my fixation. Just say that I think <laughs> I can think of no better afterlife than being a spirit with a clairvoyant talking to me and asking <laughs> questions about what's going on in the traitors. And that sounds like a really chill way to be a ghost. I love yeah, that. that would be amazing, right? <laughs> Assisting on reality TV. Yeah. Oh my god, I just want to know how she plays it because, in terms of, of in terms of like it being an interesting twist, this lady who obviously cannot fucking speak to ghosts has no fucking clue, can choose anyone, and people in the Australian one people believed her as well so i really want to see what the uk people are like because yeah, there was this one guy in australia skeptical. he was like yeah but clairvoyants are scam artists and they can actually like read micro expressions and it was like fuck shut up oh my god who are you you're like <laughs> like you're oh, just it's so good it's so funny people trying to be smart is funny and sometimes they are smart and it's the best thing ever but when they're not smart you're just like oh mm. and then you're like i can do better and i couldn't i literally everyone i would cry at the at the table because of my anxiety would be through the roof and everyone would think it was me because it's like guilty she's guilty she's got a guilty conscience and i'd be voted off in the first episode so that's fine my family told me that so it's true, it's true. They, were we like, need to get... they were like you be voted off first <laughs> uh, listeners uh forget my call to action at the start about apple podcast reviews we all need to rally together to get rich on the next season of the trailers oh that's why no do not could you imagine me i literally would not last i would be crying all the time i'd be like i can't do this guys anyway maybe Maybe season I think that'd three. Be good. I think yeah. that'd be good. And we should try and rally for that, <laughs> yeah. definitely. I know what you say about pe- yeah. people trying to be smart. There is always really, like, I watch a lot of Blood on the Clock Tower oh. streams and just, yeah, it's pe- people oh, yeah. make such smart deductions oh. and then talk themselves out of it and talk themselves into this, like, completely yes. bizarre worldview that makes no sense. And you just there, like, yeah. no, why? So, yeah. I get, yeah. I get it. I get the fascination. It's like everyone <laughs> thinks they're, like, a detective and they're smart. What is it called? Oh, uh, Dunning-Kruger. Oh no. Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. Or I was going to call it the CSI effect that, like, the show CSI had on jury. <laughs> yeah, jurors. oh, I know the one you mean, Is yes. that what it's called? What? They were, so people, when CSI released in the US, it got, like, crazy popular. And then because it deals with, like, detective and, like, murders and, like, everyone... Oh, I'm butchering this, but people who watched CSI would then go on to, like, a jury and jurors would think that they were like oh, sometimes no. more informed or had a better understanding of the legal system oh, or yeah. crime because of the show yeah so wow. it's related to dunning-kruger because dunning-kruger is where you um people who are yeah, what is that? moderately well informed on a subject rate their own expertise higher than actual experts because there's like a bell curve of like perceived ability versus actual ability in a field and people who are like very, very bad at something tend to know they're very, very bad at it. But people who are like know a little bit about something tend to way overrate their ability in that area. Because you, yes. you kind of don't know how much not, you still don't know. I've heard of that, Rebecca. I guess that, that happens one. a lot on Twitter, right? You see people do that all <laughs> yeah. the time. On I mean, Twitter. to be God. fair, there's like a lot more to it. And it's been kind of oversimplified and a little bit debunked because of the oversimplification. But it does have that like CSI effect thing of no. like, oh, I, you know. Now that I've heard a little bit about it, uh, Rebecca, I think I know everything about it. And uh, I think as an expert on Dunning Kruger now, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> I do love a good self-demonstration. Um, I probably just did it. Like on, the, 
on the trailers as well. They have to, they say their profession, but it's really, they, they awkwardly have to say why their profession would make them good at the game. So a lot of people are like, I'm, well, a lot of people are like, I'm a law student and I can detect lies because I've seen people on the witness stand and I know who's lying. And you're like, no, you don't, babe. No, you don't. This guy's like, I'm, I'm a chess grandmaster, so I can like see people's moves. And like, imagine if it was me, I'd be like, so I play games for a living and this is a game. And so I'm going to win this game. No, I'm, even, I'm a gamer girl. I'm even <laughs> better. You'd be like, I play detective games and I oh, always yeah. find the killer. Girl. Yeah. Like, I was going to say, yeah. though, like the whole... Oh, Have I'm, you played Tangle Tower? No. I'm a law student. I'm a law student. I can... Fucking... Apollo Justice sees his magic bangle so that he can see someone like really obviously rub their neck when they tell a lie. This is not a thing. This is not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, that person scratched their nose. Liar. <laughs> yeah. That that person. Show oh me my your God. magic Some bangle or get out. It's so wild. Oh, I love that show. It's so funny. So good. Um. We need to watch it. Yeah. This is the third time you've recommended it and I still haven't watched it because I don't have a TV license and I'm too afraid I'm going to get arrested. So I need to find a way to watch this. What's, what's your hyperfixation? Yeah. What's yours, Liam? My hyperfixation. Um, well, I could have I could have had a couple of options here. I thought it was going to be Asgard's Wrath 2 until it physically hurt me. Oh. And I... I I was really excited for Spider-Man 2, which I got for Christmas off my parents uh, like a child. And I've played 20 hours of that game and I think it's fine. (laughs) I've got nothing Um, more to say about it. It's just more Spider-Man. And the worst side missions in games are in those games. Just absolutely rancid. You reckon I quite like side missions. All right. I just don't want to shoot BVR things in Central Park anymore. Let's go have a bird. Oh. (laughs) I just got to say, I'm living for the, because um, I, I played 20 hours of it as well. And then I restarted it with Mick because he loves those games. And I'm like kind of living yeah. through his love for the game at the moment. Mm. But I'm like, I'm kind of living for the homoerotic subtext between Peter and Harry, which I think has more chemistry to it than anything with MJ in it. Subtext? I'm like, <laughs> I think it's quite overt. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, feel like is, subtext. Yeah, it's fair. This is my my version of this game is like, I'm waiting for this thruple to happen. Come on, everybody, like, let go of oh, your... They've done... <laughs> Come on now. Yeah, They've like, done you... MJ so dirty. MJ yeah, was know, so right? good in the first game and she's so bland in this one. I, yeah. I don't know. I, oh, and I'm I not, hate her sections I'm not passion. feeling it. It's not her fault, but I hate playing as her. Oh, God. 2000s ass fucking stealth sections. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's not my hyperfixation. My <laughs> hyperfixation is potentially quite predictable. A game that I should have played months ago, but only started this week. It's uh, the Separate Ways DLC for the Resident Evil 4 remake, which Ooh. I did not play because it came out the week I left uh, RPS and said, oh, I'll save that for rainy day. And that rainy day has come. Oh. Now, as uh, long-time <laughs> listeners will know, uh, I'm a bit of a fan of Resident Evil 4. And Separate Ways was in the original version. It was a PlayStation 2 exclusive side story where you played as Ada Wong, who is the mysterious agent who shows up at key points throughout the game. Uh, as, a, as a teenager, I coveted this mode so much because... I was like, there's more Resident Evil 4 out there, but I had the GameCube mm. version oh. and I actually bought a PlayStation 2 for this mode uh, wow. and also Ooh. the exclusive Plagas removal gun. And on PS2, that that mode was remixes of all of the original, like sections from the original game intercut with some fair, like fine cutscenes involving Wesker and sort of filling in a little bit of Ada's backstory. And it was okay. So when Resi 4 Remake came out, there were a couple of bits in the base game that were, um, I don't want to say like cut. There was like a couple of sections from the original game that didn't make it into the remake. And 
I saw some reviews say like, oh, the game is lacking because of that. But I felt like they added so much and they remixed so much that, and the pacing was so good that like even me, like the biggest fan in the world, didn't miss those sections too much. Mm. And then when they said mm. they were making separate ways, I was like, oh, okay, so this is just going to be probably the same thing, right? It's going to be a remix, just like the original mode was. We're going to see a couple of cutscenes involving Ada. Um, but actually, this is way more than I expected. It's as substantial um, as Resident Evil 3 remake. In fact, I think it takes as long to finish as the Resident Evil 3 remake, which was a full price game. Wow. It It's only about eight, nine quid. It's dirt cheap. And all of the bits from the original game that weren't added in Remake are in the Separate Ways DLC. They just took them out to put them into this side story. Oh, oh wow. That's like a long yeah. game. Yeah. That's so good. It's so good. So the resulting DLC is like, it's so much more substantial than the original. It feels like a true companion piece to this already brilliant game that I adored from last year. It fleshes out Ada as a much better character. She's confident she's cool-headed she's a professional um it folds in loads more stuff with luis which is really interesting we never really saw him in the original it really expands his motivations and the reasons why he behaves like he does in the original game it has wesker it has a, a wesker who is fully involved it sets up whatever they're gonna do with the future of this like remake series uh Capcom, by the way, just throw Resident Evil 5 in the bin and start from scratch, please. That game <laughs> was not good when it came out and it's aged even worse. Yeah. So I'm just like, as I've, as I played it, I absolutely fucking adored it. I'm already going to play through it again to try and play it on S rank and professional. I just, I just can't believe how good Capcom are at the moment. They are on top of their fucking mm. game right now. Resident Evil yes. has never been better. Uh, Street Fight is great. We've got, you know, a great Devil May Cry that came out a few years ago. Yeah. They're just absolutely smashing it. And, God bless them. God bless this game. I've been, <laughs> yeah. I've been going into this. Is this is why this is a hyperfixation? I've been going into photo mode on this game. Oh wow! Yes. Know, taking screenshots, like setting up the camera with like doing depth of field behind Ada. Like I need to go back to work. I think I've had too much time <laughs> off. But, yeah, no good, good game, good DLC. Oh. Highly recommend. Wow, I am now thoroughly edutained on the subject of the separate ways DLC and looking forward to it even more now i yeah i still need mm. to check it out and um yeah i didn't i didn't realize that it was based on anything from the year because i only started with resi 7 so like i'm still yeah. learning all that stuff so amazing that's so cool that they've kind of i love when they can rework stuff that faithfully but yeah oh, it sounds so good it sounds so good and yeah capcom so, like yeah, really pr the exception to AAA companies not being all that at the moment Mm. So yeah, obviously I love them because they're bringing yeah. back all of the Ace Attorneys and also Resident Evil and just yeah, like big big Capcom fan over here. They're absolutely smashing it. They're the best company. I bloody love them. So yeah, that's it. We're done. First episode of 2024 Woo! in wow. the bag. Thank you for listening. Uh, like I mentioned at the at the top, if if you could drop us a review, it would really mean the world to Please. us. Um, but if you don't, <laughs> that's also fine. I won't hold it against yeah. you. Tell tell your friends. Tell your friends about this yeah. podcast and they'll say, oh yeah, I'll add that to my list and they'll never listen to it because uh, that's what people do. Um, <laughs> but me. if you tell enough people, uh, a few of them will and that's how that's how we grow our audience. So Yeah, if you send it to 10 people, one person might be on a train journey and the train yeah. might break down and they'll be like, oh, well, I've, I've completed my internet. A friend of mine used to say this. I've, I've finished my internet today. Can I have some of your internet? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe they'll nice. listen to the podcast well, like so yeah, yeah thank you good. so much for listening next week we will be cracking open the indie venture vault for the first time 
to tell yes. you about some of our favorite mm-hmm. games. Uh, I know a few of you have been excited for that. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Happy New Year. Hope you had a lovely holiday break. And we will see you in two weeks' time. Bye for now. Happy New Year! Bye, everybody. Happy New Year! Indie Venture is a video games podcast created, produced, hosted, and edited by Rachel Watts, Rebecca Jones, and me, Liam Richardson. For more information, including a list of every game we mentioned in this episode, make sure to check out our website, indieventurepodcast.co.uk. You can get in touch by sending your questions, comments, and feedback to contact at indieventurepodcast.co.uk. You can support the show by rating us five stars and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast provider of choice. Some of the games we talk about on the show may have been provided to us for free for review consideration. Our intro music and stings were composed for us by Ollie Newbury. Check the episode description to hear more of his excellent tunes. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again in two weeks for another episode of Indie Venture. Bye for now.